Hello listeners, uh, just a quick little note before we jump into this week's episode. Um, as you're about to hear, we did something a little bit special this week um, with the recording, but because of that, the audio quality is a little bit lacking. Um, unfortunately, uh, this week's episode was recorded via Zoom, so hopefully it's not too much of an issue for you. Uh, I'm hoping the whole 2020... Uh, you know, seeing every all of your favourite shows and podcasts now, like having that kind of crappy Zoom audio quality, will mean uh, you're able to put up with it for this one, but um, hopefully it's not too much of an issue for you, you're able to stick through it, uh, because it's a really fun and entertaining chat. Uh, but on that note, we'll jump into the episode. Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I am joined, as always, by my <laughs> wonderful co-host Lee. Hello. And uh, yeah, we got a bit of a special episode this week. Yes. Um, yeah, we are hitting up spine number 272, uh, Bernardo Bertolucci's feature debut, Le Commerce Seca. Yes, and we've got two special guests on our show today. Yes, yes. Uh, as I think as we said in uh, our recording, uh, we crossed the streams. <laughs> we, yes. Uh, we, we kind of teed it up a little bit last uh, episode, but um, what we're actually doing with this one is it's a crossover over episode, everybody. Mm, with the Criterion Creeps all the way from Canada, eh? Yes. So uh, we've... Um, yeah, we, we got together with Jared and RJ of the Criterion Creeps podcast, and... Uh, we're uh, kind of joined forces to talk about this movie. Mm. Um, so we've obviously already recorded with those guys, uh, you know, figuring out the time differences and everything. So, uh, But we figured we'd do our standard little intro and then we'll flow into the episode as normal. Uh, Jared does a great job of kind of summing up the film and everything and doing their, you know, the wiki and whatever. So I won't do what we would normally do where it's, uh, you know, reading the back of the Criterion synopsis like we always do. We're just gonna kind of going to let it flow in and you guys can hear uh, us guesting on their episode. Or are they guessing on ours? I don't know. Definitely guesting on ours. Nah, didn't feel that way. No. <laughs> No, but they they were lovely guys, and it was uh, great to meet them and hang out and uh, talk some bullshit. Uh, so it's a bit of a long episode. We do a lot of just kind of meet and greet and talking about our, each of our old history with the Criterion Collection, and then we eventually get into the movie. So um, I guess strap in. And enjoy. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, I guess we can start getting going, and then we'll have our conversation anyway. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Okay, I, I usually just let Jarrett tell me what to do. I'm just here for uh, comedic relief, I guess. <laughs> that sounds good. Not that, not that I'm funny, just because people make fun of me. Yeah. 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 But, All right. All right, whatever go. you say, boss. All right. <clears throat> this is the Criterion Creeps podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan. RJ Baylog. Uh, Chris Swan. And Lee. <laughs> And we're just two podcasts that no, have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection, one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we watched Spine 272 uh, in the Criterion Collection, Bernardo Bertolucci's La Comer Seca from 1962. But first, RJ, um, mm. I, I feel like we've been living a lie. How so? 
Well, I mean, we've been talking a lot of shit for several years. Our, mm. our listeners have been talking a lot of shit, saying that not only are we the only Criterion podcast in existence, but we're also yep. the only podcast in existence. But here we are, <laughs> confronted with uh, people from a different hemisphere altogether who've been doing a podcast almost right alongside us, even before us. And, and we mm. finally have caught up to them. And uh, we are joined by Kristen Lee of the Criterion Quest podcast. Thank Hi, you for having us. This is a uh, complete cold introduction. Um, <laughs> we've been talking for about 15 minutes total. Um, so this is going to be interesting, hopefully entertaining nonetheless. Um, and yeah, it's, it's awesome that I reached out to you guys like a couple months ago mm. when I realized how... What, we would have this crossover point and I was like, well, let's see if they're game or not. And maybe they'll tell us to fuck ourselves and uh, that'll be the end of it. And we'll just politely go our own several ways, but here we are. And I'm really glad that uh, it's come together like this. Yeah. Thankfully it didn't go the other way where we like accused you of stealing our idea for a podcast or something. Oh, indeed. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. We get, uh, we get accused of lots of bad stuff, lots <laughs> oh, of bad no. stuff. and it's as, all true. But, uh, yeah. So uh, I hear you guys do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys know what Criterions are all about? Because I, I, I'm, we've been four years at it, and I still don't really know what what they're supposed to be. So, well, well, Lee's uh, taken over the co-hosting duties in the last couple of months, and it's the constant question of, mm. so why is this filming Criterion? Like, what? Why this one? What's going on? Who picks these? <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. Who does pick them? I just say Pete Becker, <laughs> the guy that runs Criterion. It's just him. <laughs> yeah. We, we always that, uh, assumed it was someone named John Criterion who just yeah. picked everything. Like, yeah. he, he was a Criterion. That's what I've been going with. I don't know. No one's proven me wrong yet, so. <laughs> and he had a massive laser disc collection back in the day. Yeah. Just making, <laughs> it up, making it up as he went. So, uh, I guess, like, this is going to be an atypical episode for our show. Uh, we usually do a preamble that's like two hours long where we talk about food. Our listeners send in their emails uh, that we love to go through. Um, I mean, there's, there's so much food talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if, how you two feel about food in general. Do you I, like it? Do you I, eat I'm, it? I'm, I'm pro food. Pro food. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Do you, it's a do strong you, stance. How do you feel about Anzac biscuits? That's about like, that's one thing I definitely know from uh australia yeah. new zealand yeah, con- 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 delicious cookies controversial take nah not a fan really oh boy i a friend of mine uh Roz, her husband uh was from australia and like she started making those one day and we were in the office and i was like my god where have these been all my life <laughs> <laughs> they're not bad but I don't know. Basic. yeah yeah we, okay we prefer more like i don't know chocolate covered crazy yeah, if you if you guys have heard of something called a Tim Tam, that that's yes, that. yep, yeah, mm-hmm. we know, well, we know that's, that's the yeah, money. we got Tim Tams, yeah, <laughs> that's the money biscuit. That's 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 what you get. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I think there's some crossover between us because like uh, anyone that any of these countries that were once part of the the monarch or uh, whatever that is, there's there's little things that we all have that basically just America doesn't have, so we can keep that for us. Don't yeah. tell them. Don't I, I tell should them mention that. as well, there's a bit more of a crossover as well, because uh, I, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm actually a Canadian citizen. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, How'd that happen? You just did it one day for the hell of it? or 
Well, uh, my mom is Canadian. Okay. Um, she grew okay. up in Saskatchewan, and I've got family all through there. And my parents Ooh. lived for like 15 years in Edmonton. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty close to Creepsville with mm-hmm. us on both fronts. Yeah, I knew you guys were nearby there, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah about five hours we're south of close. Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So do your parents tell you wild stories about Canada or like... You know, yeah. like living in snow and no, no electricity and like wild stuff. It's mostly boring prairie stories, to be honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Us too. <laughs> so, so what was the, uh, for you, Chris, I guess, is like, I guess like you're the original founder of the podcast. Um, what brought you to the idea of like, this is like, this is a good idea to do a, a podcast going through the Criterion Collection in order. Um, cause I've been, well, I've been collecting criterions since probably 2002, 2003. Which yeah. Really fucking hard to do here in Melbourne, Australia. Um, cause they just are not mm. really available, but, um, I don't know I just was slowly building up a collection of them and it just was, felt like a good excuse to work your way through and actually see these movies. And I found a friend who was dumb enough to come along for the ride for a while. <laughs> hey, that sounds familiar, RJ. Yeah. See, you got you. You found an RJ too. Someone who gets sucked in. You don't tell them up front that it's a blood curse that like will haunt you forever. I don't know if you guys feel that. But <laughs> we 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 frequently talk about how this is. It's just endless, and yeah. we'll we'll and they, never stop. And they keep releasing and adding spine numbers. We'll never catch yeah. up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's impossible. Horrible. Yep. <laughs> so Lee, how did you get hoodwinked? Um. Mm. Chris and I went to uni together. We studied film and um, it's definitely a passion of mine. Um, I love it very much. And we're just really good best friends. And um, I've been on a few in the past when I was really like nervous and shy and I'm still a little (laughs) bit nervous from time to time. But um, I think, uh, yeah, I like the challenge of it. I say that. <laughs> I say that, but um, yeah, especially recently, it's been a tough slog. Um, oh. What you don't like, cask door? <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. It's yeah, definitely a challenge, and I like learning more about film. How about you, RJ? How how did I, I link you again? <laughs> You tricked me a hundred percent. You tricked me. It was like five, year, four and a half years ago. Jared's like, "Hey, I, I've been like talking to some buds and maybe doing a podcast." You know, Criterion. You, you know those, right? And I was like, "Yeah, I know that. That sounds cool." And he's like, "Let's do it, man." And I was like, "Okay." And then uh, here we are, four years later, and I don't know about you guys, but we sometimes do a sidecast called Ghoul School because we really like horror movies, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been doing themes for those. And those episodes are like. What was our longest one? Like four and a half hours long? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it's just time that we can never get back. Someone figured it out last week. It was like 23 days of uh, audio is what uh, what ours comes to now altogether. So, yeah, he tricked me. And uh, <laughs> I feel like I can't leave now, though, because I feel like it'd be the, um, the, the, people, the people out there who don't like me would win. Because I don't know about you guys. It's a vendetta now. Yeah, it is. It's. Uh, I'm very petty. I, uh, I bring this up all the time. If if you even cross me, like when we're six years old or something, I still remember, and I'm still planning 
to like avenge that somehow, but um, <laughs> name is on a list. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a list. Mm-hmm. Oh, he has uh, a list. <laughs> I got a list. But I, I don't know about you guys, but we get um we get our fair share of uh, YouTube comments that uh, are a little prickly, and it's it's usually me. Uh, I I've been told that I rub people the wrong way. I don't know why. I, I feel like I'm just just here smiling with Jarrett, and but people don't like me, so uh, we get a lot of heat. I don't know if you guys get that as well. <laughs> I don't know, we've gotten, like, uh, because I'm terrible at doing any of the social media end of the podcast, mm-hmm. it's more like, I just put it out and what happens, happens. But, uh, yeah, we get our fair share of uh, periodically, like, how dare you not have read this encyclopedic book on the background of this thing? And I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's a criterion, uh, like, fan thing because we get that a lot too where people are like you don't know about 1400s japan it's like what are you fucking idiot why would we know about that wasted my time watching all these other movies that's why i haven't researched that well if if we had to do that for every movie we watched it's like you you, i don't there's no time for that like but it's it's one every criterion is one guy's favorite thing and so when you don't like it it's just I don't know. For, they, they can't help it. They're compulsive. They're like, I got to tell you why you're wrong. And it's like, okay, well, it's fine. On that note, do you guys have a favorite in the collection? Well, I was going to ask you uh, the same oh. thing. Um, like, well, because it's kind of like, because there's different degrees of, because there's going to be the movies that were a favorite before you probably did Criterion. But then like, after you started watching these movies, like, have there, has there been like one that's like surprised you? Um, I know like on on old letterbox, good old trusty letterbox has been handy to keep track of these lists. Uh, RJ and I have been like ranking these movies as we watch them, like subjectively, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and now I have to actually pull that up, but um, yeah, we, we do a similar thing after every 10 spine numbers. We do a quick look back and like, what was your favorite okay. your last 10 least favorite? And- we wait till a uh, hundred. <laughs> so it's like yeah. at some point we totally like forget what, like what was that movie? What was this movie? Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a bit of, it's a little too much time maybe to pass. Cause it's like, whatever <laughs> it is, two years in between. Um, yeah. I was going to say like, so uh, when I was uh, looking you guys up uh, to do this, uh, I came across the Apple reviews for your show and like it kind of like warmed my heart to be like oh good like the, the hateful people hate everybody equally oh, yeah. um it's because like it's the internet like of course oh, of course hates. well yeah it seems like andre rublev in particular is one that like man people really don't like the idea that that movie's just like okay or and uh, maybe not like not this a masterpiece maybe but like for instance a uh, movie man 222 uh wrote they should probably watch andre rublev instead of reading the wiki plot of the film no dilemma yeah okay sure <laughs> uh and then there's uh chipatito uh from 2017 if you don't know don't critic I am researching Magic Flute, and I run into the Criterion podcast on the Ingrid Bergman movie, The Complete Ignorance, as if they can because they are supposed to critic, is astonishing. You might not like opera, you might not like the movie, but you have no tools to talk about it, not to start with the pronunciation of the names of the characters, so better invite a guess if that is the case. As for me, and I enjoy the Criterion movies, I hope these is a pastime, because if you are being paid, I hope you get fired. Please just shut up <laughs> yep that's my favorite review ever <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about you guys uh we we like to read the negative views on our podcast just yeah. uh 
you know, I, I like to bring attention to it. And, uh, and it's for that reason why we'll never stop. It's, it's like you said, it's, I'm trying to prove those people wrong. Exactly. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's your favorite negative review that you got uh, of your guys' podcast? Yeah. It was, or one of? Probably that's my favorite because it was so... Scathing. Scathing and horribly mm. written at the mm, same time. Yes. That's, oh, yeah. Someone's saying that they're studying opera, yet, like, the, the syntax is just <laughs> terrible. Um, love it. Love it. Yeah, uh, we got one recently that it's like, that's a fair point. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I'm not a guy that's going to be on YouTube commenting on anything. If I don't like something, I just move on with my life. I don't like, I don't thumbs down. I don't like think I'm going to have to say, I have to say something. I have to get this off my chest. Like it's really I, important. Cause this I've listened will, to so many podcasts and watched so many things on YouTube yet. I've like never sent an email or written a comment <laughs> and I'm a massive yeah. fan of some things, but eh. Yeah, uh, on our uh, story of floating weeds, floating weeds episode, RJ, you haven't even probably seen this. Mm-hmm. What you're in the mood for is an, irrele- an irrelevant topic, apart from pretty much dictating the extent to which you can appreciate it. I often, so- sometimes I, I'm very honest. It's like, you know, I wasn't really in the mood when I watched this movie and it didn't. And like, I, I think it's fair for me to say that. It's like, I wasn't really feeling this. Maybe if I try again, I never will. I'll never rewatch any of these I, I think something that f- people fail to realize, though, is like when they jump into one of these episodes of like either of our shows and they think, oh, I'm going to listen to this for their take on this. They're like forgetting that we have to watch these movies no matter what in order. Uh, we we mm-hmm. can't like we can't pick and choose <laughs> what we're watching because it's like it's it's it's, it's kind of been set forth for us. Like so no matter what, you might not want to watch that 1934 Japanese silent film but you're going to have to. Yeah. And like, and that's, and that's just it. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel about that. Or, you know, for instance, like magic flute, which is a movie that I found to be like, just dire. I am not a fan of that movie, but uh, like, and it's like, but I'm like, actually the one thing that comes up a lot in these criterion movies of late is like staginess and like, kind of like the artifice of like the stage as like a central part of a lot of these movies, like those, uh, Oh, those Renoir movies like a uh, golden coach and uh, uh and, they, yeah the, the yeah, what was stage and spectacle box set yeah yes oh that was uh that was a chore that was uh and like that was floating, definitely yeah like with floating weeds it's like okay i now have to research japanese no theater to understand what's <laughs> okay cool. <laughs> I, I mean i, I kind of like that movie but also like ugh. right well i think at the time like if if and of course like when guys are telling us this like you know a day ago i'm like well we did that review like a year ago it feels like and i'm like i don't even what are you talking about did one of us say that because i'm pretty sure like the older one i was kind of like not in the mood to watch it at the time and i i rewatched floating weeds which i liked but like you said it's like you know sometimes you're just like you're not it's not for you either <laughs> like you may, it doesn't matter what mood you're in you're like i just don't like this and it should be okay it should be okay to have an opinion and i don't think uh i mean i don't think we're dicks about it <laughs> like i've been uh, i have tr- been sometimes tr- <laughs> uh, well uh that, that, i think that uh like steven soderbergh's schizopolis i feel like uh get some uh get some serious I- dumpage yeah, more like Shitsopolis, right? <laughs> you guys with me on that, or did you guys like that movie? Uh, I kind of liked it because it was so funny. Okay. Just it, it, the weirdness of it. I'm like, it's a, yeah. probably about 20 minutes, half an hour too long, but just... Mm-hmm. 
just like the scene where he's in the bathroom and like he's like, okay, bye. Like you know, just the weirdness I kind of found weird and funny. There, there's some uh, some stuff there, but uh, no, I I know what you mean. Uh, some of the comments people get, we get told often uh, we should stick to Back to the Future, and I don't really <laughs> ever really understand that. It's like, is that a bad movie? Like. No, it's like a perfect film, that one. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get Michael J. Fox tattooed on my chest, but it's like, I feel like that's a good movie. I don't know why that's that's the one that people always rag on for. I don't think we've ever even brought it up. Are you not going to get the tattoo because you're more of a Crispin Glover guy? Is that? <laughs> well, I mean, actually, like, uh, Michael J. Fox is from uh, your parents' uh, old home, Edmonton. Yeah. So, I mean, it would make sense. <laughs> I, I just, I wouldn't get it for Back to the Future. Maybe for one of his other projects. Probably Teen Wolf. Doc Hollywood? Yeah, Doc Hollywood. Could throw that in there. <laughs> There's lots of options is what I'm saying. I don't want to limit myself because once that happens and people start saying that my knowledge of feudal Japan is not as good as it should be and I say, well, whatever. Well, that's why I, when um, Jarek sent out the email kind of reaching out, I was, because there's all these other podcasts out there that are talking yeah. about Criterion as well. But those guys are picking and choosing what they're doing. Uh, so it was great <laughs> yep. to find you guys, uh, other people going through, no, we have to go through the number. <laughs> like, it felt like finding brothers in arms almost. And you guys yeah. are doing it weekly? We do yes. it weekly, yeah. Oh, and how long, <laughs> how long have you been doing it for? Uh, Four years. Four and a half, actually. Four and RJ. a half. It's because we're already halfway past that point, yeah. I don't know what time is anymore. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we do it weekly. And then uh, during uh, October, we usually do a, a second or we were doing two a week because we were doing a horror uh, themed one each week, too, because we just watched. I like we I would watch a lot, but Jared would sometimes watch two, three horror movies a day. So we just we have so much to talk about. But uh, yeah, why, and I don't know about you guys, but like uh, I, I don't really do you guys listen to other podcasts anymore? Because I, I kind of just shut it off completely because I didn't want to like. I didn't want to like steal from anyone else because I found yeah. it was like easy to, conf- I, I, I was doing the Shia LaBeouf thing where it was like, oh, it's just so inspirational to me. I didn't realize I was stealing it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 there's a bunch of other podcasts I listen to, but it like okay. movie related ones. I don't really go anywhere near criterion type stuff. I, mm-hmm. right, I'm a big fan of stuff like how did this get made where it's like, mm-hmm. I, I love bad movies. So shit like that. Right, right, right. I didn't listen to any podcasts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Some might say that's the best choice. <laughs> so, that's some. how I do it, and I'm 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 pretty happy. So, I. So so like one of the things that uh, I mean I, I Chris is a fairly active letterbox and Lee I think just started one, um, but like it seems like Chris you're, you're keeping up still watching movies fairly actively. I feel like for some reason doing this podcast my uh watching movies has completely died out and i'm kind of doing the the minimum of like watching these movies per week like my interests are like just drawn to like watching like you know re-watching simpsons lately and yeah i have like a stack of like recent movies i haven't watched you know like possessor tanit any like first cow like all these movies from like the last year that i'm like oh i would really like to see these but i just uh i haven't had the drive to watch these movies i'm like is this pod is this podcast killing my interest in film <laughs> like which is the weirdest I thing I, I guess like yeah, the second because you know it's kind of it's work like for lack of a better term like right didn't do all the, watch all these films so it's almost like ah i got some time off what am i gonna do not that <laughs> 
Chris makes a um a wrap up video where he edits together his favorite movies into sort of like a music video. Um, and he does that every year. And then we did a podcast where we talked about our favorite films from 2020. Um, so that sort of pushed me to watch as many as I could from 2020 so I could keep up. But Josh, right. sorry, Chris, <laughs> Josh, Chris, what's your name? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I've only known you for like 15 minutes. <laughs> um, he watches movies like There's No Tomorrow. You frothing love it. Yes. <laughs> frothing love it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I, I don't watch as as many anymore, but I I do still watch movies. It's a. Uh, I think part of like I, I the thing that Jared that I kind of relate to as well is I think it's the weekly grind we have. We're especially Criterion's because like uh, I make a point now where if I know it's in Criterion, it's just like I'm not gonna watch it, even if it's like something new that came out. Like I. I don't rush out to see it. It's like, I'll see it in like eight years. I'll just wait until I get there. Cause I don't want to have to rewatch it. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. So like, cause we're like, what is it? Uh, two seventy eight or something in the spine numbers or around there. So if yeah. say there was a movie like in the four hundreds that you're like kind of in the mood to watch, like, right. You're just going to be like, no, even I, though that's uh, like two, three years, four years away. I'm still not. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, until until we until we disband the podcast like there was only there was only one thing that actually popped up so like and this is an even more exaggerated example i watched a portrait of a lady on fire uh this year and i wasn't going to because i was like fuck it it's it just got added to the collection i'll i'll see it in 15 years whenever we get there yeah. uh but my wife wanted to watch it so i was like Ah, all right, like, okay. I would do it. <laughs> yeah. But I di- I didn't want to talk about it on the podcast though, and uh, I got I got fucking strong armed into it because uh, one of our longtime listeners guested on our thing, and he's like he's like I want to talk about that, and I was like I don't I didn't want to. I I'm like, saving was- that for twenty years in the future. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly, because I found uh, most of the time like it's uh, the commenter thing again. It's like whenever I say something, people like fucking blow up. And especially when it's like new movies that get added, it's like, well, you should just sit on this for a little while. Don't, uh, don't go crazy yet. Maybe give it a year or two and then see, see if it still, uh, slams as hard as you thought it did. Usually it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. That's just me. I, I, some people, uh, find that frustrating, but whatever, whatever, (laughs) whatever. We just do a Star Trek pod now. That's yeah, right. I was going to say, uh, listening to some of your episodes, you, it sounds like you're, you're deep into Voyager at the moment. <laughs> uh, or uh, Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah DS9. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that all started at the uh, peak of quarantine for us in like March when the world ended. I uh, I was stuck at home. I had nothing to do. So I started Star Trek from the start. Mm-hmm. And Jarrett, who is a huge nerd, mm-hmm. he used to watch it as a kid, but I never did. Like I'm watching it for the first time as an adult. So uh, that's what we talk about a lot. And, uh, you know, I even have my, my life-size data poster behind us. I, I was, yep. <laughs> yeah, it was advertised as life-size. Uh, so pretty good. But, yeah, anyways, I, I watched some movies. A little bit more than Jarrett. Jarrett's a, Jarrett's a weird duck, as you guys probably have figured out. I, my peak, I think when the year we started the podcast, I think I watched like mm-hmm. a thousand movies in one year. Whoa! And, uh, and, and ever since then, it's like been dwindling down where it's like last year I, I didn't even hit one movie a day on average which is 
uh, embarrassing, I guess, compared to what I used to put down. But I'm uh, just like, you know, diff- different things have come up in life, uh, different hobbies, uh, painting, painting miniatures, <laughs> uh, t- talking about food on podcasts. It takes time. It takes a lot of time to, to do these things. So, um, what did you come in at uh, for 2020? How, how many were logged? Oh, God. Uh, I think it was like 340 or something like that. So just like below that 365 magic number, uh, we have some of our listeners, uh, they are like in the like five, 600 range. I think mm-hmm. one, one, uh, young Actium, he, uh, I think he was at a, something like a thousand. He watches a lot of, uh, like short, like brackage style art, like structuralist films. Uh, so he, he watches a lot of that kind of thing, but, uh, like that's like probably, I remember being, I remember those days. I remember being able to like, just like watch like two, three movies a day. No problem. Uh, like, like, responsibility. Yeah. It just, yeah. But it's like, I think it has to be the right space, be in the right mood to do it. I mean, I didn't watch any television at all for the last five years. And then in the last month or so, I've just been like, yeah, I'll, I'll, re- I'll watch this Mandalorian television show program that people are all talking about just to see. And it's like, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> and uh, one day these movies that I've got like stacks and stacks of Blu-rays and 4Ks of, I'll get around to them. They're not going anywhere once yeah. I have them. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the bane of my existence at the moment is everyone being like, you haven't watched Ted Lasso. You haven't seen season four or five. I'm like, Mm -hmm. there's too much out there. You can't do everything. Yeah. That's why it's good to have something like Star Trek. They're like, what what are you watching right now? Did you see this new hit show? I'm like, I'm in season five of DS9, a show that aired like 30 years ago. So I don't know, man. It's good to be out of the loop. Yeah, like during lockdown, it was like, oh, have you watched yeah. you know, all of these new things? I'm like, no, but I watched Community three times on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> That's a better use of your time. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So I, um, I guess a question to mention would be, uh, I guess, doing the going through the criterions, like what are your, like, I don't know, favorite movies so far that, like, have emerged – like outside of like obvious movies, and I don't know what obvious is to you because my obvious could be different from yours. Um, but like going in, I imagine you've probably seen like Seven Samurai before or like Seven Seal. But like going into it, like has there been like kind of like discoveries that you would have never got around to watching if it wasn't for doing the podcast? Yeah, well, um, definitely for me, like uh, going in before doing the podcast and really deep diving into Criterion, like Rushmore is still one of my like top 10 films of all time. I fucking love that movie. Um, I had a couple others like Harold and Maud. I was a huge fan of Blue Velvet and things, but go actually like the Discovery ones, um, the high watermarks for me on that are both high and low, the Kurosawa. Yep. And, uh, mm-hmm. the trains are flying. I just still, that movie blew my socks off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lee, has there you, Lee? jumped out at you so far? I guess <laughs> since you joined or? <laughs> I'm just pointing it to like, I have a bookshelf of all my criteria. I'm like, do you want to look? I don't think I've found my favorite yet. Yeah. Coming in. I was on Seven Samurai. What number was that? Two? Number two. That's yeah. two. Yeah. I was yeah. on. Yeah. Well, I might claim that one mm. um, as a discovery one, but I, I'm so new. I'm still waiting to have my socks blown off, to be honest. It's been a bit of a. <laughs> one? Oh, King of Kings. <laughs> That was a no. Nobody, nobody <laughs> oh, yeah. that movie. <laughs> um, no, I'm waiting. Uh, you're, you're looking at the one guy right here. 
Really? Well, that oh, movie no. is a slam dunk. Oh, no, okay. I'm, I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was okay. Well, Sorry, you, you keep going. Did you, did you guys watch? Did you watch the uh, the roadshow version or the like the two hour version? Because there was like there was that choice on the channel, and uh, we chose the two and a half, whatever two hour forty minute version that like was screened once, uh-huh. and then I guess like it got edited down to like that two hour one. And I'm like, uh, I'll go with might as well go with the full one get it out of the way because i'm never going to watch this ever again and uh so i'm curious did you guys do that as well uh we did the two hour version and oh, okay and we watched it at uh times two speed <laughs> <laughs> oh nice oh boy <laughs> nice oh yeah we, we admitted to that okay. yeah yeah that's funny like that's good i guess uh i don't know we we, we we often like we've been talking lately about resting our eyes while watching some movies um yeah it's just resting <laughs> just rest in your eyes while you're watching i think uh the two big ones for me was um quiet on that movie i i i needed to take a break from and just kind of look at the wall for a while because it was a little too long for me and then uh la ventura i think i watched at one one and a half speed which people people shit on that for ever, like all the time they're like you watch this movie at one and a half it's like yeah man yeah <laughs> i didn't like that movie i, I get it yeah love and was one i when we did it for the podcast, I was a bit like, ah, I don't know if I, yeah, how I feel about this one. And I've now gone back and watched it, I think twice again. And like, okay, I, I get this. And I, now knowing what it is, it's like, I, di- I dig this now. Yeah. You gotta be, yeah. But it, yeah. That's why I don't, sorry, go ahead. To watch a movie like that though, I, yeah. which is the problem with this podcast sometimes. <laughs> exactly. And uh, that's why I'm so ironclad on not rewatching stuff because I, I want to stick to what I said. If I didn't like it that first time, whether it was just my issue or whatever, I'm going to stick to it. The, yeah. only one, the only one I did rewatch was uh, 400 Blows because it came up again in the uh, like the repackaging 100 oh, spines yeah. later or whatever. Yeah, the Antoine Donnell stuff. Yeah. 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 That's the only rewatch for me. But So, RJ, do you actually own any Criterions or is it just, is it just Jared? I I do. I have a small, uh, small little sample. I think I have like 30 or 40. So that's actually like when we did get started. Um, cause I, I, I do like criterion movies. Like I always have. And I, uh, I did have like a little collection. I had like five or something at the time. And, uh, when we started, uh, the Canadian dollar and the American dollar was par. So whenever the Americans would have the, uh, their 50% off sale, we could like buy it. And then even with the duty and shippings, it was still like a huge savings for us. That's not the case anymore, mm-hmm. but, uh, I do, I do have, um, a good, I, I think I got like 40 plus or so, but, uh, not like Jared. Jared's got like 19,000. I think that's what the criterion spines up to 19,000. Yeah, but uh, one thing that we've asked too, like guests who've come on, uh, do you, do you guys remember the first Criterion you bought or like watched? I mean, watched is different because there's movies you might have just watched RoboCop before you knew knew it was part of this, but like the first one you bought, maybe that's probably yeah. a better question. Well, it's simple for Lee. I'll let um, you. I I've got one. <laughs> okay, which one? Not, this is not my house. This is not my collection. <laughs> I, I'm not much of a collector keeper, but except if, yeah, I love it. And that's the red shoes. And I think that's actually my favorite of the criteria. I, I forgot I had it. And then it just triggered in my brain then yeah. that I love that movie. I love discovering that movie. And yeah, mm-hmm. the only one I own. That's um, a top 20 for me too. That was uh, out of like this discoveries, the red shoe, uh, red shoes was a big one for me. So we we got one thing going. 
<laughs> yeah, remember, go ahead chris yeah i remember that was one uh when we were at film school like there's uh this amazing theater here in melbourne called the astra and they did like a 70 mil projection of it and we're like two 19 year olds at film school I'm like i don't know i guess we'll go see this and it's like oh shit okay <laughs> that one really messed up mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah for me the criterion wise it was um i got my first two were Rushmore and Down by Law. Oh, yep. cool. Yeah. Yep. And that was back probably in like 2002 or something. And yeah, they, they were very hard to get here in Australia. Like only like some select bookstores would have them and they were very expensive. Because well, uh, is Australia Region C? Uh, for Blu-ray, we're Region B. And- okay. And Region 4 for DVD. 4, right. Okay, yeah. So I was trying to remember how that all worked again. It's been a while since I've... Because uh, that's the one thing I love about 4K. Is there's no region codes. It's, yeah. it's all just universal. Um, and I hope... I think... I wish Criterion would embrace 4K uh, going forward. But it seems unlikely uh, at this point. But, but we'll see. Yeah, so like... Cause, so if the Criterions that you buy, like, are they... Are there like Australian versions that are region four or do you, do you have a region free player to play them? Uh, yeah, I've, I've always gone out of my way to track down region free Blu-ray players and DVD players just yeah. to be honest. We'll have to. Yeah, a lot of the versions of DVDs we get here in Australia are pretty shit. Like, and there's no special features and it's just a generic DVD and, you know, me being a weird movie collector, as you can see. <laughs> um, yeah. Getting, you know, I've got, some like 400 criterions, a couple of arrow box sets, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it was even way back, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, I would still always be that weird kid in high school who was like, no, no, I have to have this edition. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then like seeing people just be like, how much did you pay? Like, what are you talking about? What's with this? (laughs) But um, now thankfully um, Barnes and Noble actually shipped to Australia. So oh, good. Oh, cool. they're like one of the few, com- we're one of the few countries that they'll actually do international shipping for. So I just wait for the biannual 50% off sales. And I'm like, cool, here's like the 10, 15 criterions I want that I've been saving. You know, I, I put money aside for that sale every year. Right. Mm. Yeah, there was a company in Canada that just started uh, selling Criterions, and they would they do a forty percent off sale at the exact same time that Criterion has theirs on Barnes and Noble or the actual Criterion dot com sales. Mm-hmm. And like, I'll take the forty percent off. I guess like it's it's something because mm-hmm. I think they've it's better than nothing. Yeah, because the the premium price is still kind of like it's a bit much when you consider like I don't know. Uh, I, I like talking about like, you know, ex- or exploitation movies. I'm a big fan of the vinegar syndrome um, line and uh, like their stuff is just like so beautifully packaged and like some of the restorations they do, I think rival the criterion ones. Obviously the, the film quality is different, different uh, <laughs> as far as like what they're doing, but they're like loaded with features. Like they've got, I think they still even have commentary tracks, which is something that's completely vanished. It seems like from, uh, the the film industry, I guess, is like the commentary track. It's like a rare thing, and used to be like the the staple of like the early two thousands. Like that was like it was minimum. Even yeah. how, no matter how asleep a director is or how uninterested, there would be a commentary track with somebody on every movie. And now nothing. Like it's just not even in the conversation, which is really too bad. Yeah, well, that's why it's nice that there's places like um, yeah, Vinegar Syndrome. I just picked up actually the Putney Swope Vinegar. Syndrome. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm 
looking forward to diving into all that. But yeah, like places like Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow and Criterion, like actually still trying to be like, physical media doesn't suck, guys. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, the yeah, now like the productions of these things are like so nice. Like when I got my uh, Vinegar Syndrome uh, Black Friday sale box, I was just like looking at the like stuff with their slip covers and like the. Uh, packaging it's like man these are so good like they're like nice little artworks which is like i feel like i remember feeling that way about criterion like earlier on and it seems like now we're just so used to criterion's packaging that we take it for granted um and every once in a while i still get kind of like really blown away by some of like the uh design work that they do on their artwork for their dvds mm-hmm. um, and there's like those really sharp amore cases will are always uh, nice to have on the shelf arrow does the exact same thing so yeah <laughs> um so I guess like for I guess my answer for like what I I guess would consider my favorite movie from the collection, and this pre- predates the podcast. Like I think like Passion of Joan of Arc I think is probably one of the is like the best silent film uh, that they've put out, and maybe like one of the best silent films. And like most recently, um, from like the last like whatever Spine two hundred one to three hundred that we're in, uh, I would say my. The, the best discovery, I guess, was scenes from a marriage. I thought that it was like oh, yeah. I, I I really love the Bergman television era, like that and Fanny Alexander. I think are just incredible. But um, trying well, to think what's, of what's your thoughts on the uh, the HBO remake? <laughs> uh, um, I guess in, yeah. indifference, indifference. <laughs> I think it, that's the one coming out, right? Yeah, I think it, I want to say it's like Harry Mulligan and Oscar Isaac or something. Okay, so, yeah. So when we oh, when we recorded that, <laughs> when we recorded that, we were like, "Who do you think would be these roles?" And I think we might have said Oscar Isaac for the one, and then I think I said Amy uh, Amy Adams for uh, the lead uh, opposite. But uh, I think we got I think we got Oscar Isaac mm. uh, in our guesses. Yeah, but, yeah. Seems from a marriage. Uh, yeah, that was one for me as well. I was like. I know Bergman, I don't know if, if this was for you guys as well, but like Bergman was a hard nut to crack for me for a while. Like mm-hmm. it, it took it's... me about like four or five films in to be like, okay, I get this mm-hmm. dude now. And yeah. 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 I'm, st- I'm still 50, 50 on him. It seems either like, I like absolutely get it and like really like it. Um, like Arm Sonata, I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That, that the trilogy though, um, that was I don't rough. Know. Yeah, and I still like. I mean, I don't. I have like zero. Like, I feel like the same way about basically anything involving uh, depictions of Christianity in the Criterion Collection. Be it King of Kings, Winter Light, Diary of a Country Priest. They just like I have no reaction. But for whatever reason, like Passion of Joan of Arc works for me really well. But uh, like some of these movies, just like I'm like I don't know. I don't find any of this like relevant to me but it's like there's movies we watch all the time that like i mean i don't know throne of blood isn't exactly relatable but it's like such a great movie to watch but you just you never know how it's going to hit you <laughs> yeah yeah like the, yeah i get it it's yeah. just jared's background on feudal japan that's why he likes throne of blood so much he's just got so much deep knowledge about the subject mm-hmm. and you know jared since you asked my favorite is fishing with john oh Brilliant. It is it is the uh it's the perfect criterion film. It's as you guys are saying, you're like, why is this involved in the criterion? I have I have like a three stage, uh three tiers of what I think criterions are, but the fishing with John is the only thing we've seen so far that I think is like the the pure criterion. The, the tippy to top. Me, yeah, it's like this is exactly what this is supposed to be. But yeah. 
That's uh, just me. I'm guessing you're excited for a painting with John. Yeah, first episode just got. Uh, so we uh, we have a thing here called Crave. Like yep. uh, it's a streaming service. I don't I don't know if it's just Canada. Like uh, so in the states they have HBO Max, and for us to get HBO we have to use Crave. Uh, and it, I just the first episode just went on today. So whenever we're done this, uh, I'm gonna give that the painting with John a rip. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I, I lost my mind when that trailer came out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> big time. Um, is there anything like on that kind of note? Because fishing with John is such a weird, wonderful kind of outliery thing mm-hmm. from the rest of the collection. Um, is there anything like you guys would like to see more of in Criterion? Ooh. Whether it be like a specific genre or a style of film. Man, that's a more that's Robocop. T- yeah. <laughs> yeah well, like, but the, like, totally though. But like, that's a yeah. like, rad, like, balls to the wall. Like, put mm-hmm. Starship Troopers in, goddammit. Yeah. Like, that. Uh, that, would, I mean, that would actually fit. Like, it would fit. Think, yeah. 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 That would actually be a good call um, as far as, yeah. like, yeah, for, for more, more, more Paul Verhoeven, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Total would recall would be a good one to fit in the same uh, kind of wheelhouse. I don't know. What do you think, Jerry? <laughs> Oh man. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like the directors, like, cause we have like, there's the like, guys who are locks, right? Like everything Wes Anderson will always be in there. It seems like uh, mm-hmm. David Lynch is pretty well, like going to be, uh, there's going to be one day a David Lynch set. Yeah. Uh, uh, heading that way now as well. I mean, a lot of the early stuff's probably not going to end up, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's see, there's, I know there's movies that I want to see, I guess show up in there like i'm still waiting for the devils one day if warner brothers ever uh releases that and then like there's like um uh god uh napoleon like the 1927 uh abel gantz movie they i'm pretty sure in one of those like new year's eve like doodles that they've always been putting out over the years and they didn't do one this year which i think is really weird um and there was like obviously napoleon but that was like three four years ago so i don't know if it's ever coming maybe it's like they're working on it which is possible because it seems like the process of restoring these movies and like putting them out properly is they, they probably have like a timeline that's like, you know, years in advance. So you just never, and they're like, it's gotta be the most tight lipped like organization in terms of like, there's not, doesn't seem like there's a lot of leaks. Like if they, they will let you know that something's coming out if they want you to know, like it seemed like everybody was waiting for that memories of murder. Everybody's waiting for that one car Y set. Yeah. And there's just like every time it wasn't released, uh, the internet criterion community would descend and just talk about like all this. There's nothing I'm buying here. This company's going downhill. It's the shits. And then fu- the next month, you know, their movie comes out and they're like, Oh, this is amazing. It, yeah, it's just all bangers and all hits. Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the whole idea though. Is like with the collection, I feel is like it's supposed to kind of, you know, introduce people to things that they wouldn't normally watch. And I mean, that's kind of the, the thing with the podcast is we're going to, whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is. Um, and sometimes I think Criterion has to put out stuff because, for contractual reasons, like to get certain movies, they have to get the rights to other movies. And they're kind of like, well, you know, we're working on an archival projects as well. So, I mean, we're going to put it out there because it's probably worth putting this into existence. So this movie has a life despite yeah. maybe nobody there being like, we really enjoy this movie. They're kind of like, no, oh, it's part of film history and there's something that you can find. But sometimes there's movies that uh, it seems like it's hard to justify their existence at all. <laughs> Cause uh, I was going to ask you, it's like, what have been some of the worst movies uh, that you've experienced Ooh. in the collection? <laughs> De- oh, okay. Like magic flutes right up there for me. Um, 
Just because uh-huh. at that point, it's like we're literally just what Bergman just filmed a stage. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah. What was the Japanese double that we did recently? And the second one was. Oh, uh, Fighting Elegy. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You guys yeah, like that one? Uh, it was like, uh, like, come see, come saw. Very, like, uh, these were adequate. And I'll never, like, as RJ would say, and I would say as well, I'll never watch this again. <laughs> because like something's like yeah that was fine but i'll never watch it again and even sometimes that was pretty good i'll never watch it again still never watch it again yeah, yeah. <laughs> we uh, uh yeah. not those two but the other uh sojun suzuki doubleheader like tokyo drifter and stuff i wasn't really hot on that movie and people like to shit on that all the time they're like how do these guys not like tokyo drifter and i was like i don't know man yeah <laughs> like, i just i just it didn't it didn't do it for me but whatever personal taste so yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at my uh, my ranked list. I I really don't like chasing Amy at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I consider that probably mm-hmm. probably just like for what the collection is. I'd say it's like it has no reason to be there. Um, Magic flutes down there with it. Uh, but Henry V actually the Lawrence Olivier that thing. It's it's very Magic flutish. That that was Those, another 1.5 speed for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a tough one. Uh, Jubilee. Is uh, oh, yeah. man, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that movie's grimy and not in the good grimy that you want, the bad grimy, yeah. Um, I, it, I, I, so I work in the industry, and um, mm-hmm. like the office that I've taken over that I'm working in, there's a frame, there's like a giant signed Derek Jarman poster that I have to look at every day. I'm like, <laughs> I, god damn it, wow. <laughs> I would I would just make it make it be like one day you show up in a scone and you just be like it's weird. I don't know like, what, there must have been a, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you say I don't know what happened to it, man. It was my favorite poster. It just disappeared. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when uh so me and Jared have similar uh, dislikes. There's a few that I dislike more than him, but uh, the the uh, an Australian film walkabout is at, at the bottom of the list for me. I just didn't I uh, I get really hung up on movies that have actual animal stuff in it. Uh, I just don't like it. I feel like it's gross. Uh, okay. But then, uh, uh, Wake and Fright. Yeah, that's yeah. people have people have told me to stay away from that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But uh, our uh, our most popular video, the one that has I think our highest uh, highest percentage of like down votes, uh, is uh, Salo because I do not like Salo or Salo however you want to say it. Uh, and uh, people cannot accept that, that I don't like that movie for whatever reason, but I think it's gross. Yeah. I don't care that. I don't care that the shit's a metaphor for, you know, fascism. I still think it's gross. Yeah. Okay. So Lee hasn't seen that and doesn't really, hasn't seen no interest. Yeah. And so when we were watching um, Le Commerce Seca for this episode, yeah. um, I was giving a little backstory. I'm like, Oh, this is Pasolini produced and helped to write this. And, he made Salo and like just showed her the criterion and and explained what's in it. And just like, yeah. Has it been in? It's been. It's number like eleven. Oh, so yeah. we don't it's in the. Yeah, it's really four. early. Yeah, I think it might be fourteen mm. or something like that. Yeah, it's really early. Yeah. Good, yeah. yeah. So you, you dodge that bullet. You just have to look for Antichrist instead. Oh. <laughs> I've oh. seen Antichrist. Yeah, that, that's a similar one to Salo for me. Like the first time I saw Antichrist. Um, I was just like, okay, I, I don't need this in my life. 
that's that's how I feel. So I know it's uh, a couple years for, uh, or it's like a year or two for us for Antichrist. But it's I think about it all the time. It's like, I don't really want to watch Family Christ. I have to, yeah. But I also don't like Lars von Trier that much, so that's that's my own thing. Well, Element of Crime. Yeah, you, you really, you, you, yeah, you, you didn't like Element of Crime at all, but you yeah. did like Dancer in the Dark. So yeah, yeah, Dancer in the Dark is wicked. Yeah, yeah uh, Melancholier as well. I really dig. Yeah, that, that's supposed to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the uh, Lars von Trier stan, I guess, on our show. Uh, like, I I really like I love Dogville. I love Breaking the Waves, uh, The Kingdom. I I really enjoy that '90s and some of 2000s uh, Lars von Trier. I wasn't so crazy about um, the house that Jack built. Oh I, yeah, yeah. I, I, that one was like, I don't know, I don't know, Lars. I don't know where you're going with this, but <laughs> you know, the, the I think the like, I'm not a fan of it, but I think it's funny that for a really long time that Armageddon was like the most is like it's still probably the most dumped upon of like the Criterion mm-hmm. movies. But there's like I'm, I'm I've still found movies that uh, I think are worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anytime someone shifts on Armageddon being in the collection, uh, my ultimate defense is. It's great that that's in the collection because that being in the collection means Ben Affleck's commentary track exists. And that's right. the greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Actively shitting on the film for the entire commentary. It's perfect. So when you ask what, what other movies I'd like in the Criterion, more Ben Affleck. That's my yeah. answer. <laughs> Where, yeah, when are we going to get the stealing or surviving Christmas Criterion? <laughs> Oh, well, I I watched that like just this year. Bring it on, man! And more Ben Affleck. Whatever you got, I'll I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, I, a movie that just came to mind that I would love to see uh, a box set of would be Mad Max in the Criterion Collection. If we're talking That'd about cool. ro- RoboCops and uh, action mm-hmm. stuff, I, I, I Road Warrior is I think like uh a masterpiece of action uh, along right alongside a uh, fury road so yeah. th- that would th- why not put the box set in and uh that w- i would like to see that yeah and i'd like to see yeah some of the special featurey stuff they do like it's because that's a weird one like the the first one's filmed just outside of melbourne and like we drive like you know go on those roads all the time and you're like yeah right mad max highways and then <laughs> and then beyond that it's just like nope now we're in desolate wasteland so yes does Mel Gibson ever visit Australia anymore? Do you guys know? <laughs> I know it's a big place, but like, do you ever hear it's like, hey, Mel Gibson's here? Weirdly enough, like this sounds weird, but like I have physically bumped into that guy once. <laughs> this what? makes it sound really small, but it's not. In Australia, you bumped it into Mel Gibson? Yeah, I, I bumped into Mel Gibson. It was at a ski resort, actually. <laughs> oh, did you? What did you do? <laughs> oh, this was like, this was probably 20 years ago. This is pre. This is back when he was Great like sugar tits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, my one of my teachers at primary school um, was married to his brother. Glenn Gibson, I don't. Know. <laughs> Glenn Gibson, man, I would I would take even Glenn Gibson. So I I, I know uh, I know Mel Gibson did some bad stuff, but uh, I'm definitely a Mel Gibson simp because uh, it's like I know he yells at a lot of people and has pretty strong anti-Semitic uh, opinions. But at least he didn't run, like kill a family like other movie stars or anything like that, you know. Allegedly, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but you know, like, there's some. Are we talking like a Matthew Broderick here? Or what are we exactly? <laughs> <laughs> One of RJ's favorite human beings, him and Max Landis. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, 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 I'd like to. I'd like to just 
take the high the high road here and just say that I've been hating Max Landis before it was cool to hate Max Landis. <laughs> but uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that guy too. But enough, yeah. enough. I'm just I'm, I'm amazed at this Mel Gibson story. I'm going to hold on to that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's an interesting one. Did you guys watch um, Dragged Across Concrete? Yes, uh, we actually watched it together. Uh, one mm-hmm. of those odd movies that we actually got together to watch because uh, we're both uh, S. Craig Zoller fans uh, up oh, to a point. Up to a point. No, I don't know, we'll see what he does next, but we like mm-hmm. that Bone Tomahawk and the Brawl and Cell Block 99. Like it is. That, yeah. And uh, Asylum yeah, Blackout's yeah. really good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the one he wrote. Yeah, yeah, he just yeah. wrote that one. It's good, though. That's the thing with Mel, like, you know, it's it's so easy to hate him, but then he comes out with something like that, and you're like, ah, oh, you're actually mm-hmm. pretty good. And then, uh, uh. I think, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like I said, I, uh, I, I'm aware that he did some bad stuff, but um, I can overlook it just for uh, for the movies. But yeah, <laughs> maybe well, that's why people write hate mail about me, because I'm such a Mel Gibson enthusiast. It's like uh, when we ended up doing, like, I think it was Knife in the Water. Um, mm. Like, all right, we do we address the elephant in the room? Like, duh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we had a big conversation about that, like, a week or two ago. Like, someone was like, can you subtract the, the arch from the person? And I think our uh, the long and the short of it for us was, like, sometimes. It's, like, not to rank, like, human atrocities, but there's, like, there's some that are, like, uh, and then there's some it's like ooh, that one's pretty bad yeah like i'm not watching that victor silva movie anytime soon i'll tell you that much oh, or, no, no. yeah yeah but anyways that's a weird one <laughs> yeah yeah francis for coppola's good personal friend <laughs> just... yeah um wrapping it right right back kind of around um something that i'd love to see mm-hmm. kind of added into the collection and something that i think is kind of lacking a little bit is I would love to see something like a Christopher Guest box set. Just, yeah. Just infuse yeah. some fun comedy. Be cool. it, it's so, it, it's long yeah. gaps between a good comedy movie in the collection. Oh, well, that's like, that's the risk thing is like going through the collection and when comedies hit, man, oh man, some of the things, uh, was the, was it the, the Alec Guinness one? Oh, the oh fucking the one where he's the uh, the horse's mouth. Oh yeah, the horse's mouth. Yeah, mm, that, that, that one's yeah. pretty rough. Pure Guinness, pure genius. Whatever it is, yeah, man. Oh man, yeah. It's, that's the hey. thing. It's like comedies. It's 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 a it's a tough sell sometimes. Like RJ is not a fan of the uh, the Monty Python. So uh, when we get to life, when we got to life of Brian, I was very heartbroken by this because uh, I I really love that movie, and RJ is like, eh. <laughs> I think it's old man humor. Yeah, she's like a. I, uh, the only thing I can picture is like a hundred year old man, like Kirk Douglas, like just laughing at that stuff. Like, <laughs> you got him. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's why I laugh. Hey, uh, hey, Lee and Chris, would uh, if you guys could pick one Adam Sandler movie to be in the Criterion, what would it be? Uh, I mean, he's got well, he's got one in there already. With yeah. The <laughs> oh, other than Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, one of his com- one of his ninety comedies. Oh, Billy Madison, all the way. Happy Gilmore. I'm glad you guys are split on that because that's a tough call. I-, I don't know if I can make that decision myself. What about you, Jerry? Oh, we- 
Well, I know that the Myrowitz stories will probably wind up in there since it's a, uh, they like that Noah Baumbach and it's Netflix. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about real <laughs> Adam Sandler movies. Oh, or how about Uncut Gems? How, uh, how about, uh, okay. okay. Yeah, I would say if, I, if, I, if I have to pick between the two, I would probably go with Happy Gilmore because that's the one I've always enjoyed the most of the okay. two. Yeah. I've got to say, though, I would love yeah. to see Don Cacinos get the uh, Criterion treatment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'd be on board with it like i honestly that's better than it's better than element of crime by uh lars Ventura, i can tell you that much at least it's got so. like it, it, yeah it, you get a visceral reaction from watching that scene <laughs> oh yeah oh there's a reaction all right oh yeah <laughs> how, how do you feel huh. uh I'm just looking at my list of movies over the last few years. How do you feel uh, Alfred Hitchcock's representation in uh, the collection has been so far? Ooh, um, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I I really like Rebecca. But yep. Other than that, I'm kind of take it or leave it. <laughs> what What's in the collection wise? Yes. Um, Is I mean, go in there. Sorry. Is Vertigo in there? No, none of like Vertigo, Psycho, any of the Universal ones are just not in there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know in the uh, like one of the other things that we do on our show is every like 25 episodes, we've been doing a Criterion Laserdisc uh, drop in and out because there's like when we started the show about around Christmas, I it came to my mm-hmm. like my knowledge that RJ had never seen Citizen Kane. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, so, <laughs> and so it's so it's spine number one in the Laserdisc collection. So we're like, well, let's just do it as like a special. We'll just like mm-hmm. watch watch that, and then realize King Kong was next. I'm like, well, there's a new King Kong movie coming out. It's like, might as well watch all the King Kong movies. And so we just started doing that. And like, there's some like good movies that I don't think will ever get released. Of course, like Magnificent mm-hmm. Ambersons was one of those I assumed would. And then like, you know, four months later, Oh, it's coming to the collection proper. So it's like, when we get to that in order of like, well, we did that already. We don't need mm-hmm. to do this. Again. We'll, just, we'll just re-put out that episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, go watch this. We'll keep going. And the bit like, yeah, North by Northwest is in the laser disc. So I think that's like our next one. However many episodes that is from now, a couple, a couple months, RJ. And then I know you're a oh, big good. Cary Grant fan. You know, you love him. Cause I think that's like one of the first, I think you literally watched that movie like the first week we started the podcast four and a half years ago or something like that. Oh, maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not a Cary Grant fan. It's just, I find that his, 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 the way he speaks, like his cadence is off putting. And it's like, I know that's, that's like one of the appealing things to him, but it's like, I don't like how you talk, dude. It's like, it's very strange. <laughs> You can't help but be smarmy. I I know. I it's I don't. Do you, do you guys have act, any actors or like people that you're just like as soon as you see them you're like I'm out. I don't like I don't care if this movie's got a like ten out of ten. Everyone loves it. And it's just like you see that one guy and you're just like I'm. I don't want nothing to do with it. The, I got a recent one. I I from, I don't know why, but I cannot stand Jennifer Lawrence. Oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. It's fair. I think it's mainly because of the David O. Russell movies where I'm just like, you look like a 12 year old playing dress up. I don't, I don't like this. Yeah. What about you, Lee? Any uh, shit list actors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Far out. I don't know. I don't, there would be. Come back to me. I'll have a good thing. It, it's hard getting put on the spot. Cause like when people email into us, they're, they're like, what's your favorite uh 1970s golf themed movie and we'll be like what <laughs> uh, 
like, fuck, Caddyshack came out in 80. God damn it. Yeah, yeah, and you're just like, I, it's it's hard on this spot. My answer is Matthew Broderick, as as previously just... Uh, yeah. Actually, that's not true. I don't, I don't actually care that much about Matthew Broderick, like, if he's in stuff. But there's a lot of actors I dislike. Right, Jarrett? Oh boy, where do you, where do you begin with the the list? Like, I, so I have I have the reputation of like pretty well being the grandpa of the podcast because I like I am not a fan of most like modern movies. There is just something about that. There's a look to them, and part of it's I think to be blamed on television because like television has become so much more cinematic. But and then Netflix, like everything looks like movies, and now movies look like Netflix, and there's like that digital look that everything kind of has that. It just looks so flat. And even the stuff that people lose their mind over, like um, even like nowadays, like Roger Deakins, I, I thought at one point, like his stuff was amazing. But nowadays I kind of see him like, well, everything kind of is trying to look like Roger Deakins. So it becomes less special. I don't know. I have this like, it's all this internal thing in my head about like what what's going on. Like um, I got controversial views. Like Danny uh, Villeneuve is a director that like, he's like hit and miss for me. Like his movies are obviously really well made, but there's something missing in there for me. But so I, I right there and be like, what are the misses? Because I'm kind of on. For, the uh, <laughs> yeah. So okay. So I, I did like Enemy, yeah. um, Arrival. I man, uh, was it uh, Renner's in that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he's one of like I think that guy is like his best movie was like this like straight to video like Jeffrey Dahmer movie and everything ever everything else that he's in I think is like nothing special like I think he's like not great Amy Adams is just kind of there for me but uh, I am not like I should be totally excited for Dune as I love like big European sci fi graphic album stuff and like this should be great but Danny Villeneuve who did. Blade twenty or Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I'm like not that big a fan of, but it also brings my shit list actor for no particular reason, Timothy Chalamet, who like so for some reason like his character in uh, Lady Bird just made me go, I fucking hate this guy. Yeah, it's not just it's not just that movie. I, I can uh, I can co-sign this. Every Timothy Chalamet movie I've seen, I'm in like fuck this guy, fuck this kid. <laughs> I don't like this, this guy. This this boy. He's just like this whatever. And of course, it's yeah. like he's ruining everything because he's like in the next Wes Anderson movie whenever it comes out, French Dispatch. And it's like, God damn it. Because of he's course, in everything. Because he fits like he's like a little Adrian Brody type of kid. And so like mm-hmm. Wes Anderson loves that. So yeah, that is a good call, the Adrian Brody light, essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd rather. Chris oh, Evans. sorry. Chris Who? Sorry. Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. Yeah. Sorry, I think there was a leg. I kept cutting you off every single time you tried to say that because I, I wasn't trying to. But Chris Evans, you said? Yeah. Yeah. How come? His face. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best reason. That's I a good enough face. answer. He just looks like your typical actor that has nothing going on. Mm-hmm. They're kind of, I think they're all like that though, too. I think like a lot of like the contemporary actor looks like any of the guys in Marvel movies, they, they go on these weird fitness regimes and they, mm-hmm. I could I, they don't stand out to me at all. Like, and Chris Evans kind of embodies that yeah. I think fairly well. They get that roid brain. Yeah. They, they into replaceable Ken dolls. Yeah. Uh-huh. E- e- eating their, uh, uh, whatever bleach chicken breasts. And, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> explanation i love it that's i think that's why i like mark ruffalo is the best in the, any of the marvel movies because he's the one dude who's like i don't give a shit 
He doesn't care. Wait until Timothy Shalamont gets a Marvel movie. (laughs) Yeah, because like, like honestly, like in my mind, like I don't know the difference between Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth. Like it's just like they're the Chris's and they're just in things. Um, And it's like, oh, what's his his name? Superman is like that too. Like they're just like Henry Cavill. Yeah, Yeah. the the hunks. They all just come out and. Yeah, but Henry Cavill builds uh, PCs and plays World of Warcraft, so he uh, he he's appealing to a certain niche. Your niche, Jarrett. In theory. In theory, yeah. Well, with the, like the Chris Hemsworth and the Chris Evans, um, I feel I have an authority to say this as a fellow Chris. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, the king of our species is the is Chris Pine. Like he, he's. Oh yeah, there's the other one. Interesting. Yeah, he's the king of the Chris's. Right. I would I would have said Chris Farley, but you know that's just me. I know he's I know he's dead, but I think he's still putting out better work than some of those other guys. Yeah, I, Matt Matt Foley, motivational speaker, is like a once a month watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. I keep thinking like, yeah, like actually, you know what though? I really did like Mother, and uh, that was a. A hell of a theatrical experience yeah. watching that in a movie where you can see people walking out. <laughs> but yeah. I was like, I don't know. It is definitely not for everybody. But yeah. I think that would be the uh, yeah for me. I think that would be like that's her win column movie for me. But other than that, I'm like, I'm not going to watch anything with her in it specifically. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I think you didn't actually pronounce the title of that film correctly. Uh, it's actually Mother because it's got. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. but, but, but it's all lower. But it's like leather case. But how do you do? It's like a whisper yell. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Um, That's the ticket. Talking mm-hmm. about the walkouts and stuff, that actually reminds me. I think I have a new least favorite criterion. Um, 24 Ooh. Frames by Abbas Kiristami. Oh, okay. Um, I, it, that's now, like, it's in like the thousands and things, but it was Kiristami's yeah. last film. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Iranian cinema. Like I think he okay. did at uni and things. And um, I, I went and saw that at the Melbourne Film Festival. And all that film is, is 24 still frame paintings with some slight movement, no music. And it's, yeah, that's it's, it. It's a screensaver. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it sounds so, like artisanal film craft to me. Yeah. And so that became an endurance test for me. And I'm like, I am not late, like almost out of spite. I'm like, I am watching all of this. <laughs> and I kept a tally on my phone of how many walkouts. And I think it was... 47 people walked out of that movie <laughs> that that's good. the most i've that's uh pretty good yeah yeah, it, was, yeah and it just with every person that left it just like emboldened me more to be like i have to stay for this now how long was it like nearly two hours oh! <laughs> <laughs> and we have to watch it one day yep. <laughs> oh. that episode will be like five minutes long because what the fuck is there to say about 24 screensavers <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we somehow got a the buy brackage. I think we s- still somehow rambled three hours off, but well, there's that's a lot just because we don't know how to stop. Well, how right. did you guys do that? Did you watch everything in the bo- in the set? Yeah, every every single one. Yeah, no. We, we ended up making bingo sheets. Oh, oh yeah, we played a game of bingo, and whatever like came up, we watched that short, and then we. Kept watching shorts until someone got bingo. <laughs> so. yeah. That's a good idea. We're, we definitely go the completionist route. So like, that's like uh, whenever there's an option, like say Fanny and Alexandra or Alexander is the short one, the long one. It's like, we just watch the long one by default. 
Yeah. That that for me was really challenging because I think you watched the long one and I watched the short one and I mm. it just didn't make sense a lot of it. And I yep. found it really hard to connect the dots and I wish I had the long one because mm. I was like, I don't really understand what's going on. That's actually one of the nice uh, one of uh, our YouTube listeners of the podcast. They um, they actually had watched the theatrical version, I guess, and they actually filled in a lot of those gaps. And they're like saying, "Oh, here's some of the differences," because it's actually kind of surprising. Like these big movies, there's a weirdly not a lot of stuff being written about the differences thoroughly. And so it's really nice mm-hmm. to hear someone like very casually discussing it and being like, "Oh yeah, this so this doesn't make sense now because of this change." And I was like, "Oh well, thanks somebody for doing that because." when you have to watch the six or whatever, it's almost six hours long for the movie, the two hour making of that mm-hmm. has a spine number with it. And it's like, Oh, you're also, you should also check out the theatrical version. That's another three hours. It's like, no, nah, I, yeah. I can't, I, I cannot do this. Well, okay. On that note of there being like, you know, the making of Fanny and Alexander being its own spine number. Have there yeah. been any through the collection that you guys just haven't watched just for. <laughs> no, we've watched them all. And there's Every been some bad one. ones. Uh, yeah. What was the oh, really bad one? Ingmar Bergman makes a movie, or was it the Carl Theodore Dreyer? Oh yeah, my 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 meter. Yeah, yeah. meter. <laughs> that was the one we, because being here in Australia, where Criterion's yeah. not a thing, it's really hard to track down some movies sometimes. Yeah. And that that's was, all. This like we try our best to do it through whatever legal mm-hmm. means we can, and then you know YouTube helps a lot. And, <laughs> but that was just for one reason. It was just like we we cannot find this anywhere our, so okay with that i uh yeah so our uh, one of our uh og listeners oliver granger from new zealand he has also had the same problem because this movie does not exist on the internet like nobody has ever ripped it i actually own the box set so i actually own the dvd of it just by it worked out that well because otherwise yeah there, i don't know how i would have done it i mean i would have bought it i would just if i realized that i would have just bought it from ebay and got a copy of it because i think it's i don't even know if it's still in print or not because it's it's older Doubtful. now but it, it they, they, they do a pretty good job of keeping their stuff in print but i know that the, the zadoichi box has completely been like out of stock for like over a year or two but it's not out of print but mm-hmm. it might as well be because i think they're repackaging it because when it originally came out it was like the blu-rays and dvd discs so the thing was like what almost 50 discs and so now they're repackaging it but it hasn't come out yet to this day which when we have to watch that rj six seven years from now uh we have to watch 25 movies in a week apparently so mm. well I, as i say a lot you guys don't know but uh, i will be long dead by then that's the other thing that i hold out that's why i i feel like i eat a lot of cheeseburgers i got like five years max i think so when you get to uh, uh zadoichi with whoever you replace me with i'm sure yeah. you guys will have a good time yeah, maybe it'll be these guys. I don't know. Maybe it'll be Data. He he does about the same as I do. Or have you? So Chris and Lee, have you guys noticed this a uh, big naked guy behind Jarrett? Has oh, yeah. has this been addressed yet? That was the first thing we asked. <laughs> okay. We need to introduce ourselves. We're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I I told him. Uh, yeah, our dear listener Rob Eagle sent uh-huh. that to me for some reason. We have a, an eclectic uh, base of listeners, and uh, they like to send us stuff sometimes, like uh, an entire case of Raisin Bran Crunch, 16 boxes. So, you know, we get some good stuff. <laughs> we get some good stuff. That's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I brought it up one time because, like, Canada, U.S., we there's a ton of stuff we can't get in Canada just because of, like, custom rules or whatever. So things like that. Like, in the States, they have certain cereals that we don't have. And it, I – 
when things were open, I always drift. We're close enough to the border. Like everyone around where we live just drives to the States to pick up like shit and then just brings it back like cereal. But, but Jared's just got a thing for big beefy dudes. So that's where, that's where (laughs) that guy comes from. Yeah. That explains it. There is that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. Um, We haven't ever been sent. We're not very active. With the social oh, stuff. I'm terrible with that shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, so I I uh, I watched the long Fanny and Alexander just so I could get more screenshots because I uh, I do lots of memes mm-hmm. on uh, our uh, Instagrams mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, what was I going to say? Um, you you said that you're not very active, but like people, if I say this, people will shit on me and they'll be like, "That's stupid." But posting one one thing a day is fucking exhausting. It is. Yeah. It's exhausting to try to think. Cause I always try to think of something like that. I think is like funny, but usually people don't like it anyways, but just finding one of these like thousands of pictures and memes that people send me, it's, it's tiresome. Yeah. And how people have that as a job, just like social media managing. I'm just like, uh, fucking all power to you. That is the worst. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. But I mean, that's all I do. Jared does all of the editing and everything. All I do is post a meme a day. So, but I show up. Show up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do anything. Yeah. You, yeah. You and you and I have very similar roles. It seems like because you're working with Chris. He's seems very kind of passionate by this. I work with Jared. He is a legitimate nerd, and he's just like an old man. And he he's got that fire too. But I'm just here. Yeah, I just show up. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, diminish your role at all or anything, but uh, it sounds like we we serve a similar purpose. It's like I'm here. I'm here so Chris has someone to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Same. It's, it's it's out of sympathy. I was, yeah. gonna, I was gonna say I wish that didn't wasn't so accurate and so sad, but. Yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome well, to the Criterion Creeps podcast. <laughs> that, is, that is that that is oh yeah. So like that's the one thing is like one of our our great ongoing uh, experiences is just like suicide comes up a lot in the Criterion collection mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 horrible deaths and demises and ennui in general and it's like yeah it's just like podcasting sometimes it it has that vibe. But uh, the the one thing that's been really nice is uh, for us is like we used to, like have this like crazy number of people who uh, like reach out to us. They write emails diligently every week, and uh, it's like kind of been this really great little community. Um, we like all we have to do is show up every week, and uh, people uh, people show up right back. So yeah, it's been really cool, despite our uh, shit talking and. <laughs> It's the good thing of like, you know, the, the reason we've been doing this for like, I think we're coming in on eight years. We've been doing our one and it's like, just occasionally you're like, yeah, it's like the fact that people actually listen is nice. Yep. <laughs> and cause you know, we take it not serious at all. And it's just a nice hangout and things. And the fact that people also hang out is great. Yep. That's what we've always said too. It's uh when we started, we just did this for shits, right? Like <clears throat> I didn't think anyone would, would, give two fucks about us talking about whatever but uh there there's a couple of people who do care and you know even if like those two three people who care about it i'm glad that they get something out of it you know even though all i do is show up and make fart sounds and <laughs> and then like that's it but yeah, you know just, yeah. <laughs> somebody likes it so well we used to get a lot of hate mail because um we usually drink quite a bit of beer while discussing and we got constant hate mail about like stop burping into the mics. 
you can't you can't stop her it's like <laughs> we i don't think we've ever gotten one about that actually despite yeah. rj if so i you yeah i usually crap can't like sometimes if it's like serious if we're actually talking about the criterion movie i'll mute to crack my cans but like when we're doing preamble stuff I'm usually just like, and like, and a lot of times, sometimes like I fall into the computer. I'm not like that bad, but uh, it has happened a few times and whatever. It's a free podcast. People don't have to pay for this. Oh, we we started doing Patreon a couple of months ago and we're doing uh, audio commentaries and, um, Oh yeah. We, we did one for the Disney Beauty and the Beast a couple of weeks ago. And that is a drunken shit show. (laughs) That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. What a novel idea, yeah. RJ, Give, giving people extra content when they give us money. We, we, yeah, we, we just take people's money and they, we they have get a their Patreon show anyway. Offer yeah. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, 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 work, it's working great. It's working great. I would happily do like a live discord of me doing something if people, uh, if, pe- if the money was right. I'd need like a year's salary, I think. And <laughs> just one, one thing. Watch a movie. Like, RJ does the dishes, or like, is it just menial stuff? Or like, yeah. yeah. Well, we always we're gonna start an OnlyFans, and uh, it's gonna be that kind of stuff. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, one of I just thought about this. I don't know if I mentioned it to you, RJ. Maybe we did last week. There was someone on YouTube had commented on one of our reviews. I believe it was Children mm-hmm. of Paradise who said, "You need forty-eight minutes to review one movie." I would rather watch the movie itself than spend forty-eight minutes listening to some guy talk about it. <laughs> I mean, if if you're going for the most direct like thing, then sure. But then why are you even watching reviews on YouTube at all? Yeah, why did you? <laughs> Like, make your decision a minute in. Don't, yeah. don't stick for the 48. Yeah. yeah. I, I would happily make a, a one-second one review portion. It would either be yep or nope. If that's what people <laughs> want, that, that'd be my whole podcast. Yep. Nope. And that's it. If Like, whoever this person was, I can do that for them, whatever. As long as the money's right. As long as they hit the OnlyFans up with a, a monthly subscription. Oh, 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 and also, yeah, people often think that we're American as well. Because they think that's like the ultimate insult. <laughs> which yeah. is like When they're trying to also be know-it-alls. And mm. uh, you just let it slide. You just you move on with your life. I, I should also explain, like, if I slowly start slipping into a Canadian accent, it's not, it's not me being offensive. It just happens because of having Canadian family and things. And I used to, I used to have a thick accent back when I was a kid, despite being in Australia. So it's okay. If I guys, if I, if I slowly, well, especially as you're talking to some uh, Canadians, uh, you just feel like you're back at home with our Uh, weird. Anytime I visit the States or Canada, like within a day, I'm back into full accents. So, Hmm. So you were saying something? Yeah, I was going to say, if I slip into a Canadian accident, it's because I'm being rude. (laughs) Yeah, and if I just bust out a crikey. (laughs) It's just just because, fuck them, that's why. You know what I mean? And that's that's RJ's New Zealand accent. Yeah, that's that's not Australian. That's whenever we have a guy uh, who pretty much since since we started podcasting has been emailing in from New Zealand. uh, And I was, that's his accent. He's like, crikey, I'm Oliver. (laughs) <laughs> and you know why because fuck them that's why <laughs> we, we were talking yesterday about like when like we're debating do we just come on and 
lean into like the bogan Colloquial. colloquialisms and like just be like, all right, boys, we're not here to fuck sliders. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, just up for a rip, eh, bud? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's still time. We haven't even started talking about the movie yet, so there's lots of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we could do that part. <laughs> that I whole thing. <laughs> do, does uh, anyone need a bathroom break? Um. Oh, if you want to, I might grab another beer. But yeah. uh, sorry, I, I, I jumped the gun on Jarrett. Jarrett usually says something. He's like, after the break. So you could do that now, Jarrett, if you want. Oh, can I? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, I didn't think anything to say. I was clever. You know, I'm so famed for. Hmm. After the break, um, we're going to be interrogated by the police. I have nothing. I've got nothing. Just say crikey. Say it. Crikey. There you go. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about La Comer Seca from 1962, directed by Bernardo Bertolucci. And RJ, we're joined mm. by another podcast mm. who have made the same mm. poor decision of doing a podcast, of going through the Criterion Collection in spine order. And we've converged at long last. This is like just like two ships passing in the night, never to see one another ever again. Um, streams. Crossing streams. Yeah. That's right. Crossing the streams. Bad things usually happen, I, I'm, I've heard. Um, and we're joined by Kristen Lee from Criterion Quest. Hey, everybody. It's uh, lovely to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I, uh, I've long been told from our listeners that we are the only Criterion podcast, and some have even suggested the only podcast at all. So I, I didn't even know that there was other people who did such a thing. Oh, yeah. We, we, we've been doing the, the hard work, and uh, you know, I don't want to say that you guys stole our idea, but... <laughs> I mean, I, well... I mean, we're from Canada, so it's a little different. We have different rules up here. There's no stealing. It's all about sharing. Exactly. Yeah, that's, what I, that's what I know about Canadians. They're overly nice. It would never be yeah. something like that. And, and don't forget yeah. derivative. Yes. Always derivative. And derivative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and the letterbox synopsis for this film... Roman police detectives interrogate a series of potential perpetrators in their struggle to determine whom to arrest for the brutal murder of a beautiful prostitute whose body is discovered in a park on the day of a torrential rainstorm. One by one, the prime suspects, girl crazy teenager Nino, pickpocket Kanchia, a soldier on leave, a tourist, and a pimp recount the events of the day to the police, each insisting he is innocent. Yeah. All right. That's the movie. <laughs> That's the movie. <laughs> yeah. They sure got that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just kind of rolling into it, had you guys obviously seen this one before or had any knowledge of it or? None at all. Um, I didn't even know until, you know, like a week or so ago that this was one, a Bernardo Bertolucci movie, uh, and nor did I know that it was his first movie. Mm-hmm. so th- that kind of took me back and like it's like kind of like almost when i see the name bertolucci it's kind of a blast from the past because i remember like back in the 90s 
he was like, he was one of the big names that everybody yeah. knew. And I feel like his name and career have really fallen by the wayside. He died two and a half years ago, I believe. Um, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't really harm one's uh, film credit, but it seems like the reputation of him and his movies, like last Tango in Paris, I've never actually seen before. Um, I feel like more people that I know of talk about the conformist yeah. and anything else and i have seen last emperor and that movie i don't know if has anyone else seen last emperor yep like the the first half of that movie is like unreal like i can't believe like when i was watching it i was like this is incredible like it doesn't look like anything it's kind of like that high watermark of world cinema where it's just like this gorgeous like like they're inside the that uh, castle the whatever it is the forbidden temple and you're just seeing it the way it's shot uh, it's kind of like coming from like a foreigner's perspective uh, the way it's kind of presented like it's very otherworldly but like I, it is like still pretty stunning when i watched it i did not know what to expect because i remember like years ago renting movies on video and then you would see these like weird like letterboxed uh, trailers for it and it was like kind of on blurry vhs tapes and you're like well that looks kind of cool but what is this movie about <laughs> like i had never idea and you're like last last emperor it's like is this a fantasy movie <laughs> and i'd never knew so that's like that movie for every reason that's my my impression of bertolucci and this last tango in paris and boat butter and weird things oh, like that yeah. and marlon marlon brando but like i know this movie by reputation and i should see it someday but i just never have what about uh, you guys Controversial take. I think Last Tango in Paris is really overrated. Get nice. Yeah, nice. Not, not 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 the biggest fan of that one. Um, but yeah, Last Emperor and The Conformist. Love both of those flicks. Um, I remember in the nineties, uh, Stealing Beauty coming out, and that kind of being. It's like, oh shit, he's back and he's doing, you know, something artistic and interesting again. And that movie's fine. But then, um, Dreamers, I think, with uh, Michael Pitt and Eva Green and things that I watched that as well. And to me, that's also a kind of like Last Tango in Paris. You like, eh, okay. Yeah. I think I think I have like a DVD of that from Blockbuster that I bought previously viewed, and I've never watched it because I look, I read it, and I go, ah, I don't, I don't really want to watch this. It's <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like such poor praise. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. yeah, well, once again, welcome to the Criterion Cruise podcast. Did you guys like that movie? It's fine. That's why, that's why I love watching so many of these foreign films, because at the end, like, when it comes up, and I, I think it's, like, the, some of the French ones that come up, instead of saying Finn, it's fine. And if it's fine, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there we go, fine. <laughs> I, I like, like that if, a lot. If only the movie yeah. started with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. fine. It's fine. What about you, Lee? Uh, how, how familiar are you with... Uh, um, the only one, I, <laughs> <laughs> the only one I saw was Last Emperor, and that was super long ago. That's probably over a decade ago. I remember it being pretty spectacular shot, mm-hmm. but I don't really remember much else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. a lot of the films I'm coming through the collection, I'm like, I don't know this director, but cool. So just just so you know, when I went into this, I thought this was Roberto Benigni from Life Is Beautiful. Oh. And when I watched this, I said, this is not Roberto Benini, uh, Benino or Benini. <laughs> so don't feel bad. Man. <laughs> yeah. So don't, don't worry about coming into these things new because uh, when I watched this, I was like, where, I said, where the fuck is that little guy? I've been, I, I watched the whole movie waiting for him. And I was like, where's Roberto Benino and, uh, or Benini? And he never came. And then I looked it up and I was like, 
Berta Loco. Oh. Huh? <laughs> I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And then I, I, and then I figured it out afterwards. But uh, it did take me, uh, took me a little bit. Bertolucci's a weird one because, like, Last Emperor, like, won Best Picture and Best Director and things. Yeah. Academy Awards, like, huge film. But for me, like, the high watermark of his career is co-writing Once Upon a Time in the West with uh, <laughs> with Leone. Like, and, and don't forget our Dario Argento is in yeah, there too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing when that, like who wrote that movie comes up, you're like, okay, this is going to be great. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite the confluence of uh, like the, the big, the big shots of uh, Italy that happened to be, they worked on this uh, Western starring Charles Bronson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catfish himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, I, I should have brought this up in the preamble. Sorry, Jerry, for cutting you off. Uh, Lee, were you here when, uh, did you guys watch uh, That Obscure Object of Desire together, or was that before your time? Before my time. Okay. So, hey, Chris. Yep. When when did you figure out it was two actresses? Was it after the movie when you, you saw other people, or when you were watching the movie, did you realize that there was two different actresses in there? Oh, God. I, I can't even, pro- I still probably have only just now figured out it's two different actresses, like, okay. dang, now. <laughs> okay. I, I'm happy you, I'm happy you say that, because people, uh, people make fun of me for not realizing that. I didn't realize it until we recorded the episode, and Jarrett said, hey, when did you realize, realize there was two actresses? I said, just now, when you told it was, me. It's almost like the inverse of Kagamusha the other week, where it was like, it's actually the same actor. <laughs> same actor, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Sorry, you go ahead now, Jerry. You're you're allowed. So we got our uh, Bertolucci experience. So none of us exactly are, uh, I guess, uh, super fans, but that's okay. We're we're, we're going to see. We're going to check out this movie. So the title translates to "The Skinny Gossip," but the English title for this movie was "The Grim Reaper." How is that the same thing at all? I'd be like, I, I'd be like, this is uh, my kid, Chris, and but he also goes by Ham Sandwich. It'd be like, what? <laughs> right, that's not the same thing. <laughs> call Hammy, whatever. Yeah, weird. Yeah, the 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 comma second like comes up as that final quote at the end of the movie. There, yeah, yeah. So it's like the literal translation, but I guess it falls into that thing of back in the day. It's like, well, the actual literal translation doesn't work, so we're gonna throw it in as the Grim Reaper, but then also the Grim Reaper kind of doesn't also work. <laughs> yeah. Not really. No. Yeah, there's there's no hooded guy walking around with a scythe at all. It's bullshit. No. It's like the person who wrote the name for it just looked at the cover and didn't watch the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the old Roger Corman films where they're just like, I don't know, fucking call it whatever, it's fine. <laughs> If you're interested in Roger Corman films, you, you uh, I won't, I won't bog down the review now, but uh, I'll tell you about something later. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'm, like I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So this movie opens up with these like fairly scenic, poetic uh, shots of uh, an Italian overpass and drifts down. We follow newspapers that are torn, like from a truck that passes by and they float through the grass and settles upon a dead woman in a grassy ditch. Uh, This immediately in my mind recalled the movie Vagabond uh, from Mm. ages ago, the uh, Agnes Varda movie. And I kind of like started thinking about it, like, hmm, this, this is an image that I guess pops up quite a bit in different movies. Um, I guess I always think about uh, the movie, even like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, uh, the, the one, a movie that I don't know if uh, you two are familiar with. But, oh, very. John McNeil. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 A grim, a grim piece of work, that movie, but awesome. Um, it's like, so I, I guess like there's a moment there where they're comparing like, like the way this woman's being dumped into this ditch along with these newspaper garbage scraps. That's about as insightful as I'm going to get, by the way, just, just warning. I'm not, that's it. That's the, that's the end of it. Um, we also get introduced sort of like what becomes like this motif of, uh, of this classical, like stringy uh, musical score. That kind of like permeates whenever we do these uh, flashbacks that are punctuated by the sound of a storm kicking in, like like whatever it is, a thunder. Um, and we get these flashbacks to the dead woman who is a sex worker. Uh, and the whole movie itself is a faceless interrogator of, from the police who is interviewing five men uh, about their, what they were doing in this park where this woman was last seen the night before. Does that sound accurate? Yeah. Uh, to what, what we're watching? Good. Excellent. I, I didn't really watch the movie, so if you say okay. so. Well, this, this, is good for, this, this, this is good for you then. Yeah, okay. Just quickly, like, okay, um, had you read that synopsis and knowing that that's what the film is about before you sat to watch it? I, I did, yes. Um, I have found that when doing this, it's a good idea sometimes to get a baseline of what you're going to watch yeah. Just it's, it's especially when you have to talk about it later because <laughs> uh, you're going in blind completely. Sometimes I don't know. It, it might not work out great for you. We, we were saying that um, I'm really glad you read that to me, Chris. So we've read the synopsis as well, because at what point did I realize what was going on? Like an interrogation room, the police. I mean, it's just a dude in a chair with a light on him someone's asking him questions. Mm. I'm like, I'm and now, now all of a sudden he's trying to steal radios from James Kahn. In a <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, yes. The James Kahn man. We, so, uh, uh, oh, wait, go ahead. We have this thing where when we're watching the old movies, we're like, Oh my God, it's an olden day. This person, we like Nate, like try and pick actors for everyone. Mm-hmm. What did we say? <laughs> the oh yeah. So we have, we have James Kahn in a turtleneck. Um, mm-hmm. And then we also have the soldier later on in the film is if Dave Franco fucked Kurt Russell from Stargate. That's, that's a, an interesting take because I, I had, I had him pegged as insatiable Italian Christian Slater. That's, that's who I thought the soldier looked like the most. Uh, and I, I have a lot to say about that guy. Uh, I, I like, I like this thing you do. Cause I do that quite often as well but pretty well all the time yeah (laughs) pretty well all the time uh but while you guys are on it i went in completely blind i i didn't read anything about this movie i've never seen it before and for the first 20 minutes i was like what the fuck is going on i was so i was so confused i was like what is happening in this movie and then i i did figure it out eventually but for like 20 minutes i was really like i was like what is going on man i was like is this Fucking Pasolini getting me again. He just keeps getting me. Yeah. But so, so yeah. At this, yeah, at this point, we get the uh, over that scrawl of like after the introduction of this dead woman in the ditch, we get the credits of the movie and we get uh, the story credit going to uh, Criterion alum Pierre Paolo Pasolini, who mm-hmm. uh, Bertolucci was kind of like a friend of, being mentored by previously um, mm-hmm. the Pasolini movie Akatani however that would be pronounced. He worked on that. And then this kind of got handed to him as his first feature film at the age of 21, which is uh, something he's part of that. Uh, 
that pedigree of uh, like, you know, the Orson Welles who were like making movies like these full on productions at like 2021 back in the, back in this era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking into it a bit, it seemed like, um, yeah, Bertolucci's father was kind of friendly with Pasolini and that's how he kind of got his in. And then, um, you know, got the job being his assistant on that, his, on the Pasolini film. And then I think it was um, Pasolini had written this story, but then was like, uh, you write it. You you go and do it. I'll I'll help out how I can. And yeah. Right. And then I think that also it kind of impacted it. Like when it first came out, everyone was just like, "Oh, this is just a Pasolini film." And mm-hmm. Bertolucci's like, "No, goddammit, my style." My style, yeah, which like, I don't know. Like this really did remind me a lot of uh, Mama Roma from yeah. like a few months ago because it's just like kind of like this like that neo Italian period of like i don't know all these all the tropes are kind of here you get uh post world war ii italy bombed out buildings everybody's unemployed in italy from like the 40s 50s 60s on umberto d uh that il posto <laughs> um the fiancés everyone's unemployed in this time mm-hmm. and so you, you get like or or they're criminals uh you get scummy pimps like in mama roma uh which is would be kind of like the world of like pasolini that that he was invested in um as far as his interest in storytelling um then you get like also get dog napping i'm not sure how that fits into uh pasolini movies but uh but then we get italian street sex pests which feels redundant um if you've watched enough of these Italian movies, it seems like it's it's a terrifying thing to be a woman there. Um, it's, and it's side note, so happy that you guys also use the term sex pest. It, it's such a <laughs> <exciting phrase. laughs> well, and yeah, and while we're on sex pests, I get a lot of heat. <laughs> I get a lot of shit for this, but have you guys found that e- people think I hate it, Italians, and I don't. <laughs> I don't, but. Every you lo- hey, you love the Sopranos. I love the Sopranos. I love the Sopranos, and I, I was raised Catholic. I get it. I'm all on. I'm on board. Uh, Tyrion, that is from Italians. It's all about insatiable gang raping men and prostitutes. And so, like, I is that me or is that what every single it- Italian movie is? It's just insatiable men that are like hunting women down, and then like. Like, is that, that's it, right? And then whores, <laughs> which is the word that they use in this movie, right? He's yeah. like, it was a whore, you know, it just to jump ahead, but that, whore. it's fine. Yeah. That, um, I don't know. It's a whore. You've probably seen more times. Yeah. Like I, I get it. Like there is a giant bulk of that, <laughs> but then, yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's, it, it's weird, especially coming out of the post-war films. It, it's like, all right, we need to try and establish an identity for ourselves as, a, like, you know, Italian cinema. Why go for that angle? <laughs> it's kind of odd. Like, I'm with you. Um, yeah. You do get the odd ones there. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm, where it's like, oh, life is futile and nothingness, mm-hmm. and I'm going to kill myself and my dog. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. I, I'm glad you're – we're similar pages. Yeah, it's yeah. like they need a they need at least a decade to kind of figure them figure themselves out in their identity. But um, like sticking with the Mama Roma thing, like the vibes I got off of that, like we, like connecting these two was like I think it's like the fort, like jumping way ahead. Sorry to like the the two kids who are trying to mm-hmm. get the money to make the dinner for their would be girlfriends. Um, the scene of them playing soccer in the field. I'm like, this just looks like this is a scene taken out of Mama Roma. Like when they're running from the cops and it's like mm-hmm. lots of 
weird hilly dirt fields where people are playing soccer on the outskirts of town. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, because yeah, in Mama Roma, actually, it's 1962 as well. So mm-hmm. these movies are like they're con- uh, contemporary. Mm-hmm. Contem- yeah. Well, isn't that why like um, Pasolini had like written this story and was interested in it, but then was like, well, I'm going to go off and make Mama Roma. Here's the story I've got. You can, right. you, you young upstart, you can make this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and one thing I noticed too is uh, what I thought more than anything is like um, a lot of people think like Fellini is the uh, the big inspiration for dudes like uh, Alfonso Caron. But uh, like watching this movie, I was like, this seems more like uh, like things that would inspire Alfonso Caron than like Fellini stuff. Even like I know it's all in the same like under the same umbrella, but I don't, I don't yeah, know. That, that was one thing I picked out of it. Yeah, Caron always gets kind of pegged, I think, as like this big operatic grandiose guy. But if you look at a lot of his films, they're mm-hmm. down and dirty. Like I rewatched Eat Mama mm-hmm. again recently, and that's a like kind of weird little dirty indie film like you know scrappy is probably a better word for it yeah yeah i agree with you that's how that's what i was the vibe i was getting but from it but i've also been told my opinion is wrong many times so yeah um because you mentioned Quran, i don't know if uh any of you are familiar with his short film i am autism no Ooh. uh oh it's, yeah. it's about his son isn't it yeah uh yeah i don't know it is, is it not it is uh as the kids like to say problematic okie dokie <laughs> I, I, I do think it's about his son though like for if that if that's any constant like any means anything to anyone i think that's about him and like raising his son who is autistic but so it's, it's not that, like he, uh, going and making a new, uh, movie uh, <laughs> no it's, it's I a four I minute short it. so yeah, it's a bit for uh, okay. some uh, organization called Autism Speaks. Oh, and uh, it mm. portrays, uh, half of it portrays autism as a form of demonic possession. And, oh. and uh, yeah, so. Yikes. Process that for a second. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, so we get to the interrogations of this film, this movie that we're talking about. Um, mm. Interrogation one is about this young guy, uh, the poster child of like, Italian youths who are trying to find jobs where there are no jobs in a like collapsed economy where you know ten thousand lira is like five dollars. So you have to like struggle to find work. You have to know the right people. You have to get two priests to make reference letters for you to get a job. But that's all bullshit. He's telling the cops something, and then we're getting to see the um, the detached reality of what he was doing, which is a curious thing because this movie like gets framed often uh, as like Rashomon esque. Yeah. And uh, which is like, it's kind of curious, like how often, because uh, like even like uh, RJ and I, we've been talking recently about Yojimboing uh, as like mm-hmm. kind of like a, as a plot uh, trope that comes up in some of these movies. Um, but this one's, this one's I like got, this is the Rashomoning, which I guess is in, apparently Bertolucci says he never even saw Rashomon before he made this. I don't, I don't know what the Pasolini story would have resembled exactly. Like if it would have had the same idea, because if, so maybe Pasolini saw Rashomon and it's not Berlucci at all. Yeah. I read the essay that comes in the criterion, like along with the criterion edition and like, uh, I forget who wrote it, but he like throws kind of some, a little bit of shade or like some stank at him. Cause he's like, you know, he, like Bertolucci, a self-professed like cinema enthusiast claims he never saw Rashomon, but come right. on. Like yeah. you at least needed to know about Rashomon. <laughs> like, 
yeah, I thought that was I just I want to take a step back. Did you say throw some stank on it? Is that the yeah. did I hear that right? You did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's all I need. I just wanted confirmation on that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I approve. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the the young man, he's actually a forest bandit, and him and uh, two pals, they like kind of like crawl around in the forest, uh, preying on young lovers, unsuspecting young lovers, who they then rob while they're uh, in each other's throes and embraces. Um, they they think they rob one guy or one woman's purse, and they they find their uh, what they find in their loot is two pears. Um, the one character says it should have been at least spaghetti, the bitch. <laughs> good so, screen good screenshot hey uh, that's yeah this is this is like the thing is rj and i a lot of the time we're watching these movies in terms of screen capability yeah it's like oh that's a good screen cap that's a good because that's one of the great things about uh this criterion channel and subtitles and even movies that are in english we watch with subtitles because you just never know what great uh uh contrast you'll get screen potential yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, I found that whole scene very confusing. I feel like it's his first film. He's going to f- shoot the fucking shit out of it. And mm-hmm. there was a moment where the character's walking down the street and he continues to talk, but the two priests or thugs, whatever, have come out of frame. And mm-hmm. then he's still talking and they're responding, but then it, it cuts weird and then he kind of, he fit, like flips the camera upside down under this log and into this cave. And yep. Mm-hmm. The geography's all fucked in that, in that sequence at the park. It, it calms down as the film goes on. It becomes a little bit more structured, mm-hmm. um, a lot easier to follow, but yeah. But is that, do you reckon that's because Bertolucci's trying to establish like unreliable narrators, I guess? So like our yeah. vision's all kind of fucked and squiffy and yeah. That's what I question watching it. I'm like, uh, we, you know, when someone tells you a story that's a lie and the, the, the story doesn't quite connect, like it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, what a minute, what, what about this, what about that? And is that, is it a conscious choice or is he just like, I'm a first time film director, look at me go, woo! <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I I'm here without a, a tripod. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I think it's a mix where it's like a art house dream logic where it's like the dream logic stuff where it's like things are happening, which like, I, I think it's actually done really well in this, but then there's the mix, the other mix side of it where it is like a little showy at mm-hmm. some points. But I did think that first part was super confusing too. be. And I was almost like, is this like a, like a hyper Catholic movie? Because it was like a dude all in white and a dude all in black and they were on both sides. And I was like, is this like an angel and devil? But I, I think I'm looking a little too much into that, but that might you know, Italians, you know, there's a, (laughs) there's something, there could be something to it. Yeah. But that's the thing, like that whole sequence in the park with the stealing of the purses and things, Mm -hmm. and when that, it slowly progresses and we have like a a sequence that we eventually get to see over and over again, not, not the woman getting ready with the Mm -hmm. platform, but the part where it's each person like walking through that area of the park at night and we're kind of establishing all of our players that we're going to see throughout the rest of the film. Mm -hmm all of a sudden the film kind of shifts from this chaotic handheld like scrappiness to a really assured. And it's the kids narrating it as he's like being interrogated and telling the police. And it's beautifully framed where it's like, Oh, I saw a woman. And then she instantly comes into frame. And then there were two other guys. And it's like, 
Okay, so you've got this style, like it's there, and it's is it that just you were slowly building towards that? And I love the first um, guy that we followed. Um, so it's I see the woman, I saw the woman, I saw the guys, and then the um, police guy says, "Oh, did you see the soldier?" And as he's asking that, the soldier comes into frame, but mm-hmm. his head's turned, looking at the guys. He goes, "No, I didn't see a soldier." And it's like mm-hmm. it's so clever, like mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. It is for sure. So our young man, he uh, he goes and robs James Caan. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who's, uh, who, he attempts to, ro- to steal the radio and mm-hmm. uh, he gets called out on his shit. And he's like, oh, I didn't even see you guys there. I just thought someone left the radio. Leave, don't go to the police. And then he's like, he's seeing that his, he's pleading his case and it's not, it's falling on deaf ears from James Caan. And then mm-hmm. he starts turning to his, to his girlfriend and he's like, well, she's going to be sympathetic. She's going to be like, oh, let this guy, poor kid go. She's like, kill this guy. He interrupted our lovemaking. <laughs> I, I also thought, thought that was a little strange. I was like, this lady's fucking hardcore, man. Like, just, <laughs> she wants to see like, blood. Don't be making out in public, I guess. If you're like, if you don't want it to be interrupted, go like find somewhere you can lock the door or something. I don't know. I, I will say as well, like the thing we like was also kind of off-putting for us in that whole first section where where they are in that park and like that kind of outside mm. kind of forest area that looks so much like Australia. Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh yeah, countries. We're like, is this shot in Australia? <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? It was really off-putting and confusing for us. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That woman, though, I reckon she was my favorite of the whole film. She was batshit. Yeah. <laughs> the love-making woman? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that lady's pretty wild. <laughs> and then our, our young man, um, he gets beat up by some skinhead forest bandits, I, I think. is. Mm-hmm. The, and then he, gets, he walks shabbily, sadly defeated back, <laughs> continuing to tell the tale to the cops that, oh, you know, that happened, but I, I got the job and it's all going to work the out job great. The went great with the pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay. And then, so he's like, he's very much on the peripheral of the action of what they're investigating because he kind of passes through the park and there's like, yeah, the woman that you're look, like, who's been killed. She was, I never even got very close to her. She was way over there because everybody was way far away from her. It seems. And she's like, which I actually really enjoyed, like liked how that was a consistent thing that she was like, so far removed from it and like just on the periphery you can't really see her um and then yeah like i I think the most disjointing part at this point though was when you hit the thunderstorm effect and then it cuts to her getting ready in the morning because you have no idea who this woman is because when we first see her dead at the beginning of the movie she's face down and completely anonymous and so you have to start like deducing that okay well i think this is where they're going but like i think in watching it now it becomes more obvious that that's what's happening but I'm not sure if it's necessarily effective because apparently the way it was originally sh- planned for in the movie was that was all going to be one contain like continuous sequence. But I guess the uh, a producer told him if you leave this in the movie the way that it is, people will walk out of the theater. Yeah, it was like you're going to turn off your audience if you just every 20 minutes play the same one shot over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. People will be like fuck off. Like, I'm out of this now. I don't care. I've seen this. Even say, I would have left. Yeah, even say when we were watching, I was like, no wonder she gets killed. She takes so fucking long to get dressed. <laughs> Hurry up! 
<laughs> That's another thing in the film. What were we saying, um, Jesse, from what was that thing that you said? Oh, you like we get that people are walking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Seeing of yeah. them walking. It, it's, it's the thing. Like, I have a thing periodically with movies where it's like, if they're trying to pad stuff with like, well, here's a five minute sequence of him walking to the destination. It's like, can't we just know that he walked there? <laughs> I, I, I know what you mean. That's a good point. Yeah. He's like, I get it. People have to, it takes time to get from one place to another. Does anything happen? Yeah. No. Yeah, I, th- I think I pointed that out. It was just, I made that comment. It was, I think, later when we've got our actual killer, who we called the referee because of, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just there's like the long shot as his clogs as he's kind of going. And, oh. oh yeah. like, can, we, well, can we just the, get there already? <laughs> let's talk. Yeah, let's, we'll, we'll talk about those toeless clogs. Mm. So, so many issues with that. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so then we get King, huh? what? Stephen King. We get to interrogation number two uh, with the uh-huh. the pimp slash gigolo slash dog napper. Yeah, yep. And slash mooch. I guess it's all kind of like thereabouts. And I guess like he seems to be like one, like one of the more charming characters in this movie. I, I think he's friendly general. to the dog. Yeah, I, 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 so when there's when there's animals that show up in Criterion movies, my heart kind of like, oh no, RJ, I'm, he's he's, he's going to be complaining about this real soon because something something mm-hmm. bad's going to happen to this dog. But uh, we never actually find out what happens to this dog. The dog's around; he gets wet. He's, he's very he, cute. He yeah. seems to really like that dog. He's like puts it in the mm-hmm. backseat of the convertible. He's like, now you've got a great gentleman as an owner. You're going to have such a good life. It's going to be great. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. My heart so we, skipped a beat too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you thought it was just going to get stomped to death because that's what happens in these movies. Well, I've seen an Argento film. I know how uh, the treatment of uh, animals is from uh, one of the main Italians. So <laughs> I'm well aware. What were you saying? So uh, interrogation number two, mm-hmm. we get like kind of his day prior to winding up in the park um, where him and his fiance. Uh, he gets a snapshot of their life together, living with his future mother-in-law, uh, where she's just like totally aware of his sh- shtick uh, that he's just like fleecing them. It's costing them, you know, five million dollars, which is probably again like fifty bucks in c- current money. Uh, and it's he's ruining things, and he just like kind of like not phased by it, and because he's got other women on the way, he treats people very poorly, and eventually he gets just like the short and sweet of it is his fiance confronts him in the middle of the street, pulls a knife out of her purse, uh, nicks him a little bit across the cheek. He takes off and he's like, kind of like having to like hide out, maybe wait for her to cool off. He goes out to the park, uh, parks in the parking lot, goes for a walk. And then when he goes back to the car, there she is waiting and sitting in the car for him to return. He's like, Oh, what do I do now? And he just keeps wandering around. So he's just one of these figures, these anonymous figures in the park of the night that this woman, the sex worker is murdered. That That's about sums it up. Yeah. I, what I liked about that kind of ending with him arriving back at the park to get to his car is for everyone else's stories and perspective of it. it he just seems like a creeper. Like, why is this guy hanging out in the bushes? What's happening? But then mm-hmm. the fact that we've established so early on, 
and you see this weirdo in the background, you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I get that. And you can see the car and it frames everything in. Like I said before, like the geography of that scene is wonderful. Yeah. How often do you guys hang out at parks? Like at nighttime? <laughs> Literally last night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? We yeah. drinking in the park till 1 a.m. <laughs> wow. Okay, I just threw that out there as a joke, but uh, interesting. It just interesting. It on the right day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something yeah. we do often, but uh, we have restrictions at the moment where we had a 30th, but you can't have so many people at your house, so we were in the park. So, yeah, that was just good timing. <laughs> and plus it's like 35 degrees here in Melbourne. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> see where, where we are, we, we, we're not allowed anyone over at houses, but we are allowed to have up to 10 people in a gathering outside, but we have to be wearing masks. And right now it's like, I don't know. What do you think, Jared? Minus a hundred Celsius. It's, like. <laughs> it's, it's not that it's pretty cold though. So it's like, ain't no one hanging out outside. It's way too cold. Are we talking about Jared Parks or something? I get out of parks. parks and just trying to not, not be accused of killing a prostitute. Yeah. Well, yeah it's better not to. Eventually. Uh, interrogation number three, we get the Italian street sex pest, a.k.a. Italian soldier, who's, who's in town for a good time. And we get this montage that I wonder if it was shot um, kind of ad hoc and just like, you know, there was uh, the mm-hmm. crew in a car and they were just filming him approaching women. Yeah. Like it's uh, totally legitimate that we got watching it, it seemed like he's just approaching women on the street, and yeah. like I started yelling at the TV, like "Don't touch women on the street!" Oh, yeah. what are you doing? Grabbing their grabbing their arms. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. What are you doing? And it, it's so long. Yeah, it's like such a prolonged. It's like five minutes. It felt like to me at least. I was just like, "Holy fuck!" This is going on forever. Interesting, because then he goes to hang out in the Coliseum. He's Pulls out a sandwich out of his trousers. <laughs> put that in there for later. Um, and just falls asleep on the bench. Like every other storyline had something you know, going for it. <laughs> it was pretty dull. I think it's yeah. like, especially the way he establishes his story of like, well, I'm a good soldier and I do my duty. And all I did in the day was I went to the movies and then I walked around. Like <laughs> it's, it's continuing to establish that like, unreliable narrator these everyone's kind of putting on this facade of this is i'm a nice person this is what i actually do but i'm actually secretly a scumbag yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i know a guy like that (laughs) a secret scumbag yeah yeah someone um so i was gonna say like with, with, with this character i think some of the best shots in the movie are around this guy because yeah. there's the shot when he like gets out of the rain during the rainstorm mm-hmm. and there's like that panning back at the from the front of the tunnel and he keeps going back and back and you're like what is he turning around and smiling at that stupid smile of his and it's just like this the, the all these women um mm-hmm. like uh, sex workers they're all like they've gotten out of the rain and it's just this long pullback um if I found it to be a striking image. And then later on when the, uh, when the, the young teenage party boys, uh, they come across him sleeping on the bench and they're talking about like how great of a life he has. And like, he gets to sleep all the time, but you're like, he doesn't look comfortable at all sleeping on a bench. This is like a product of uh, like when you're in the military, you probably have had to sleep in weird places uncomfortably wherever you can. And it was kind of like this really sad image. I thought, mm. uh, but yeah, it was just one of those things like the character himself, like, there's not much to that narrative, but there was like some great images like that came out of, I don't know. It seemed like Bertolucci had some interest in that character and at least photographing him for whatever reason. Oh, definitely. Uh, it's, it's that, that whole sequence, it, it's, 
has the least effect on the overall narrative of the film, but mm-hmm. uh, it is the most striking for sure. And yeah, that kind of juxtaposing image of like the guy thinking he has this great life and then the actual ending with him just nodding off on a bench and you're like, yeah, you, you kind of, it's almost a, you start to pity this guy to some degree. <laughs> right. I thought that insatiable Christian Slater was the, this is the scariest villain we've encountered in the Criterion Collection so far. I thought this guy was so unsettling, not just because of how much he was hounding the ladies, but like that scene you were talking about, Jarrett, with like the pullout and the the, uh, tunnel. I don't know what it is, but like, like it looks great, but I was like, I am so uncomfortable looking at this dude right now. (laughs) yeah yeah he's he's a scary dude and i was just like i don't like this guy he scares me a lot and like i see what you guys are saying too you're like it's kind of sad it's like yeah this dude is a sad life uh do you guys have incels in australia oh yes (laughs) (laughs) i feel like this guy kind of fits into that camp yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so interrogation number four uh Mm -hmm. this is where we're introduced i guess to the killer uh we, we don't know that yet but it seems like he has the most incomplete information and there's just like the line about there aren't many low lives who run around in clogs <laughs> which again i this is a thing on our podcast guys i i'm not a fan of feet in my in my mm-hmm. visual art and this guy it's like this guy's a bad guy and i think bertolucci might be in on it because this man's like the the clumping shoes it's like who wears these things like are these flip-flops it's like they're clogs he's a bad guy he's walking around in clogs yeah open clogs this guy sucks (laughs) yeah right i do you guys know anyone who owns clogs no thankfully and my wife is dutch and she doesn't even know. Oh. <laughs> we have a Dutch bakery here and uh, they sell clogs, but I don't know who's buying those things. Who's you know what I mean? No. <laughs> Wooden shoes. Uh, side, side note on feet in cinema. Um, this is something that <laughs> has kind of come to my attention. Like We all know Tarantino and his yeah. foot fetish. I, I kind of was piecing all of that together, rewatching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's like, the shot where Margot Robbie puts her dirty feet up on the cinema chair, you're like, mm. fuck you. Is Like, no, never do that. But then also, this is the equivalent of Tarantino just, like, bare tits on the screen. Mm-hmm. And, like, this equivalent. is... Yeah, it is, it, because that's his thing. And you're just like, God damn it. Like, I didn't realize I was watching a porn. Yeah, just chill <laughs> out, dude. <laughs> Sorry, that's my sidebar on Tarantino's foot fetish. Perfect. What would your yeah. thing be if it was on display? Mine would be like hot dogs. It'd just be like people eating hot dogs for like two hours. Not that like I'm sexually attracted to that, but it's like if I want to display something that interests me, it'd just be people eating hot dogs. Yeah, that works. You know? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you guys have anything like that. Like, oh, at least I've videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not enough movies have cat videos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we need on the criterion collection just a compilation of like ah! YouTube cat lols <laughs> that could be spine 1000 they yeah. still haven't announced that yet so we could we can petition for that yeah exactly. where would that jump in your tier of <laughs> criterion oh that'd be top tier that'd be a pure criterion yeah 100 <laughs> percent. i guess so 
Coming back to the interrogation number four chap, there mm. did you guys get much out of this particular telling? Because it seemed like it was seemed like you're kind of locked into his viewpoint of like where everybody else was in the park, but you don't really find out where he doesn't actually really talk about where he was. He just says, "Oh, I saw these 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 people," and he, like that's like the thing is like he's evasive, and that's about all that I really remember or recall. Yeah, he, and I the one character that we don't actually get a 20 minute minute sequence of what was their their day like really like you know we don't go as in in depth as everyone else and not just that but it's we linger on him in the interrogation room more than anyone else like it's there's a cool shot with him and it's the shadow on the wall and the pull out to his face i mm. think that's when we first sort mm. of it's foreshadowing right you know but, but that's that i don't know how long that sequence is compared to the other ones but it's almost like with everyone else, it's like we have our setup establishing they're being, here's who's being interrogated now. Let's see their story. Whereas with this guy, it's, we're going to sit in the interrogation for a longer time and watch him pause and think up answers as well. That was what was interesting. Like they ask him a question and he just like takes five to 10 seconds to be like, oh yeah, I went home. And you're like, that's not so at all. <laughs> like, I was in a job interview once and uh, some of the feedback afterwards was uh, take some time after each question. Don't, <laughs> don't just answer right, right away. So you saying that and then me hearing this other thing, I don't know what to think anymore. It's like, <laughs> is it awkward not to just like, I don't know anymore, you know? You sound like a serial killer if you do that. <laughs> if, you, if you pause? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what I was also instructed was to repeat back. It's, and you go, so do I understand the question right? You're asking this and you just, you fucking throw it right back at them. I don't serial killer. Right? And they're like, yeah, we want to know what you've been doing for the last five, five years. It's like, let me understand correctly. Are you asking five me? years, five years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this podcast. I haven't had time to do anything else. <laughs> and then we get to interrogation number five with the party park boys who are <laughs> so one of the things i am not a fan of in movies is when characters are doing things that are allegedly funny and laughing and everybody's like saying shit that's not fucking funny the amount of laughter in this was rough and, and then and then they say something to another character and they then they laugh and you're just like what no, it's not working hard or hardly working. <laughs> and then you go, okay, <laughs> all right. I mean, I'm not sure if it's because uh, maybe we're so removed from what how people talked in 1962, and this would have been hysterical for like mm. young. This is how the young kids talked. I'm like, no, this is no. this is, this is terrible. Is what it is, yeah. and it's bringing attention to itself because it keeps going. This. These two pals are like walking around with their arms around one another, and then they're talking to the the girls, and they're we're gonna make dinner, but we're gonna have to we have to make some money to do that. They're, they're talking about Noki, which of course, RJ, how do you feel about Noki? How do you feel about uh, potatoes with meat sauce? I'm pro Noki. Uh, I don't know about our Australian friends here. Are you guys pro or anti Noki? Oh, definitely pro Noki. Yeah. Okay. Noki. 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 It's yeah. similar. Can I can I bounce something else off you guys? This has been brought up on our podcast before. 
One time I was, uh, I went out to dinner with a friend and uh, he ordered a plate of bolognese, like meat sauce to split as an appetizer. This is a main entree. And he ordered it for us. I, I had no say in this. It just happened. Would you, at that point, what would you do? Would you stay and eat the bolognese? Like the meat sauce? Together, like the same dish with two forks? Was he expecting a Lady in the Tramp situation? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that yeah. was what he was getting at. I don't know. But I did eat the gnocchi, or the bolognese. And then uh, I haven't seen him for uh, many months. So. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what he was expecting. It's just it's <laughs> yeah. what happened. Okay. Need to clarify: one plate or two plates? It, it was a shared. Plate. It was one plate. Yeah, that's that's there's something weird there. Yeah. Two thirty-something, slightly overweight white males <laughs> sharing a, uh, a a plate of bolognese. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, good to know. That's I, hot. Well, you got <laughs> you got angry at the these guys. They were like, "Well, I want gnocchi," and the other guys like, "Well, I want potatoes," and you screamed at the TV. <laughs> I guess, I guess it'd be like someone saying I want mashed potatoes and someone saying I want fries. It, they're the same thing. But just different delivery methods. They, yeah. all, they, they put on the note four pounds of potatoes. What is it? Something oh, ridiculous. Yeah, the like, grocery list the, the girls yeah. give them is insane. Yeah. Four pounds of potatoes? Yeah, what are we doing here? It's a lot of potatoes. Are we feeding every character we've met in this film? Is that what's happening? It might get there. They might. Maybe it'll be like a, it'll be the big payoff will be like a Wes Anderson style, like gathering of all the principles all together, coming together. We're going to have a slow dolly shot while some uh, Mark Mothersbaugh music plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. E- eating, eating potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> but like this, their, their storyline, it, it seems like it goes, it's, we're going to have the similar beats to everyone else. Of like, oh, it's just that what Bertolucci's doing. We're getting a slice of life example of these people and then but where theirs ends up it, it's it flows into the next day and then ends up with a drowning and all sorts i love that reveal of we're only interviewing one of the boys yeah mm. and then we find out why later on obviously the drowning and i i think that is like that scene actually like really got to me when that when the kids on the bank like the sh- the bank and he's he's just screaming. He's like, "I'm scared! I'm scared!" Don't me, you coward! And oh, it's so yeah. I uh, I don't get emotional a lot because I have uh, depression and alcoholism. But uh, when I was watching this scene with that kid, and he's just, I'm, uh, he's like, "I'm scared." I was like, "Holy fuck!" I was like, "This is actually this is evoking emotion in me, and the first time in so long." So uh, I I really I really like that. I don't, I don't know. That's just me, but I did Don't leave me! Don't leave me! Yeah, it's just sad shit, man. He's like, I'm scared, and I was like, I feel you, dude. And I'm then, scared too. Yeah, and then cutting to him just like lying in the interrogation room and things. You're like, uh huh. Let this kid go. Like, yeah, you're like, let him go. <laughs> Defund the police. <laughs> <laughs> but then sad stuff. What's kind of great about the narrative, though, is how it connects from, like, the interaction that they have with the, the their third friend in the park, um, who mm-hmm. has yes. the most unfortunate character name. Like, just, just build as homosexual. Yes. 
The hat with the feather in it. Yeah. <laughs> we looked up like, okay, this name is name is name. Oh, homosexual. <laughs> oh, we just get a name. Can't we just call him like Gary? It's fine. <laughs> um, but mm. the fact that he like their storyline and their interaction with him is what actually ends up being the the catalyst for what ends up being the murderer being caught, and it's it's it, it ends up being the most important aspect of the entire film. Like. Right. Spent an hour or so with all meeting all of these other disparate people that were in the park, but now we finally get our payoff of like, oh, everything's kind of coming into place nicely. Yeah. Like what you said, payoff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <good. laughs> yeah, that's a good payoff. That's a ten dollar word. It's like scaffolding. It's like you know they scaffold up to that. Oh, and yeah. like, wow. I got a wallet full of uh, $10 words that I just love. Around. <laughs> <laughs> Jared drops those unironically. What was that? I, I, you guys I, I, the, the phrase, it's a tone poem. <laughs> oh, I don't know that one. No, I, I, I stick to $5 words myself. <laughs> just the right amount of pretension. Just yeah. the right one. Yeah. You're going to find that balance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so then like, and then the movie kind of hits its final like stride where you get the the telling of how the woman was killed by interrogation number four, and then I guess you get the, the kind of the cutaway to a party, and it's just like this kind of process of like, oh, they're closing in on him, and then they arrest him, and you get the scream that kind of echoes the scream from the kid in interrogation number one with that, when that storm kicks in and uh, yeah, the movie kind of just comes to its, its conclusion, I guess of closure, but it's just, um, I don't know. It's an ending, <laughs> I guess. It's very um, like a first filmmaker ending. It's like, well, my story's wrapped up. So crap. I'm out. <laughs> Fine. Smoke bomb. I'm out. Fine. <laughs> It really reminded me the uh, the she was a whore, as I said earlier. It, oh uh, yeah! It really reminded me of the wedding singer when uh, the limo driver's practicing and he runs over the cones, and he's like, "They were cones." So <laughs> yeah. my point is, I think that is the Adam Sandler movie that should be in the uh, Criterion Collection. Is the wedding singer? I kind of <laughs> came back to that. It was good. Yeah, we. It's it's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh, George Lucas. God bless him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, that whole sequence is so lovely, and it's like the one reason I will accept the clogs in this film mm-hmm. is that final scene where it's like the the sound slowly dropping away and just that clank cloppy noise of the clogs, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh, yay! We get we get this now. This is no. why you're wearing clogs in the park." <laughs> 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 Yeah. yeah, the the it's just like the sound of flip flops. Like you're like trying to be sneaky. It's like oh, this is probably the worst thing you could probably be wearing. But yeah. that's, just, that's just me. That's that, that, that snapping sound. It, it, I'm like, also, who picks a dancing partner wearing clogs? That's not gonna go. Oh. Well. <laughs> oh, what if they step on your toe? It'll hurt. Exactly. Close shoes always. Exactly. Always. Yeah. <laughs> when I go to Jared's house, which isn't very often, I make sure I'm barefoot all the time. 
all the time. Very upsetting. Very upsetting. So uh, what did we all think of this movie? I liked it a lot better than some of the more recent ones. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I I think uh, (laughs) there were a lot of, yep, they're walking. (laughs) 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 But I really loved the whole, the concept, the returning to the park and then seeing the characters but then getting to meet them later and find out their stories. I loved how um, even though everyone who's been interviewed, except obviously for the killer, is innocent and yet they're so guilty, they're so guilty, mm. like hiding and all that sort of thing. Mm. No, yeah, I, I never watched it again. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, it, it's it has a nut, like... There's an assured vision there where it's like he's clearly a filmmaker who knows what he wants to do, the type of story he mm-hmm. wants to tell. He gets there with his visual style and it, it's, it's, it's very much a first film that is enjoyable to watch, but, yeah, not... Not too enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. great nuggets and, of ideas there and, you know, it, not executed in the best possible way, I would say. I think, yeah, I... I... Because this movie's not on the tip of the tongues of anybody. That like, if you were talking about Berlucci, no one is mentioning La Comer Seca. Like, that is not a movie that like is brought about. And it's like, it's good that it's in the collection because it's like, well, it's Bernardo Bertolucci's first movie. I mean, where else is it going to go? Uh, it could be like dumped onto like the Kino label, uh, mm-hmm. or, like Twilight Times, or like, one of these other like brands. They could, they could put it out too. But so like, why not? Why not on the Criterion Collection? Um, I I thought this movie's like it's okay there's like moments in it, like these little flashes of like, Oh, that's really, that's really great filmmaking. That's great. little stuff. But sometimes you, you want more from a character. And I, I don't know if there was like any particular character that jumped out at me as being interesting, not sympathetic necessarily. I never really expect that uh, when I'm watching a movie, but there was no story that like, I really, uh, really could sink my teeth into as far as like, yeah. An arc that I was like, oh, I like that's really that was like really great. That's like, of course, they made the movie because they wanted to do that scene. This seems like to be kind of an idea, like a general idea, and then they kind of brought it together with these like suggestions of stories, like that slice of life, life approach. And sometimes that's successful, and other times you're like, oh, there's like one really great story, and then it's like an anthology almost of like a collection of shorts that are kind of circulating around an event, kind of like um, like shortcuts. Recently is. Mm. It has a, like so many like characters, but also like these big name actors that kind of draw you into it. And they're like Altman movies, kind of a different thing altogether. But but there is weird kind of actually now that I'm thinking about it, there's also a movie that's like, involving a dead woman um, yeah. and how people react to that. And there's no connection there beyond it, but other than we, we, the weirdness of like depictions of dead women in movies, and as well as. Uh, the, the weird prevalence of sex workers in the Criterion Collection. My my count currently is mm-hmm. at twenty five, um, total. That's like movies we haven't seen yet. But it's it's kind of a thing that comes up every once in a while. And I think in about five of those involve dead sex workers. It, yeah, it's, it's that thing of like, well, filmmakers just being like, well, that's an interesting thing. I'll use that as my jumping off point for a story. You're like, eh, okay, cool. So uh, how many of those twenty five are Italian? Uh, I don't know. I, like I can tell you one at least. 
I'll let you know, but I just uh-huh. noticed uh, that uh, Jean-Luc Godard's uh, Vivre Sa Vie is also from 1962. Hmm. Which I don't know if uh, any of you have seen that, but that is, uh, no. I think, one of the, one of the better uh, Godard movies that I've seen. Are um, any of them better? It's kind of his remake of uh, Pandora's Box. Mm. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on record as not the biggest Godard fan. So. That oh that's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. That but but I will say Viva Savi might win you over. It is, I think that that movie's like it, it overcomes a lot of what I think are shortcomings. I think in his movies, yeah. uh, but but also like I love uh, Knights of Kiberia from uh, yes. with, I I love that movie as well. Yeah, yeah, that that that's one of those like really pleasant surprises for me when I was like going through these. But I'm a I'm a big Fellini fan in general. Uh, not all the time, but a lot of the time. Big Fellini boy. Big Fellini boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about you, Ajay? Um, what, what had the film? Well, so uh, as I mentioned before, I didn't look into this at all. And uh, I have a sordid history with uh, Mr. Pasolini. And so when I saw his name there, I didn't realize until like, so I, I did watch the, uh, like the 15 minute interview with uh, Bernardo afterwards and he was kind of saying it's like Pasolini wasn't like super involved in this but when I saw his name I was kind of like hmm I don't know uh, and then the first 20 minutes I was 100% super confused yeah. uh, I was real confused about that and then uh, I think this movie has a few smoking guns uh, like the clogs it's kind of like you were saying it's like it's goofy it does have a payoff at the end but it is goofy uh, I do think a lot of the dialogue is <clears throat> it's a little heavy handed, like the way that the people talk about like love. And like, after I watched that, just that 15 minute video with Bernardo, uh, what's his last name, Jared Bertolucci. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, watching that. Cause like he was talking about like his poetry book that came out that actually made more sense to me. Now I was like, Oh, this dude's like a poetry nerd. And that's why all these people are like these grand statements of love and stuff. But when I, I didn't know that watching it and I was like, it's like, people don't talk like this. It's like, nobody talks like, it's like, like just to like their bud. It's like your, your best dude. You're like, Hey man, love is the eternal like wheel. And it's like, if I said that to like a, a guy I know I'd get my ass kicked. Not like, cause it's like, cause it's goo or it's just cause it's goofy. It's like, nobody fucking talks like that. Yeah. Um, no one sits down over a beer and talks like in allegorical soliloquies. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like puzzles and stuff. And you're just like, that's weird. Uh, so I think like the dialogue uh, is a little, little weird. I think the first 20 minutes are not like they, you got to work through that and then you kind of get to the, the, uh, the better stuff. And so like you guys all kind of said, there's like good moments dispersed through it. Uh, I'm going to surprise everyone. And I'm going to say, I actually really enjoyed this thing by the time I got to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, like for our listeners, at least they're, they're probably going to be like super taken aback by this, but I, I really liked it. Um, I'm a big fan of like memory, uh, for movies. So I, I really like Rashomon. I really like wild strawberries, uh, things like that, where it is like, uh, like dis, uh, disjointed or just disjunctive, like memory things. And I, I really liked how they kind of worked between that. Like, uh, like Lee, you brought up earlier walking through the park and like how different people's memories show dip- people in different kind of, uh, n- like 
positions within the park and stuff like that. And I think that actually fits with like the weird geography of the movie itself too, because the way people talk, like people describe stuff and memory is like a weird thing, right? Like things that actually happen and the way people remember it is different because it's like, you can convince yourself that things happen even though they don't. And you might not even be aware of that. So uh, I really liked all that memory stuff. Um, uh, by the time I actually figured out what was going on, uh, I was like, okay, I'm on board with this. Uh, there's some, there's some slogs in between like all the people walking, but then you also have uh, gems like dudes drinking eggs just yeah. cracking an egg and just drinking it. And you go, huh? And the way <laughs> like, he that toilet lit up is beautiful. <laughs> oh, and he just and throws that eggshell in there. It's like, dude, that's going to clog your drain, buddy. You can't just be throw, <laughs> throwing fucking full eggshells into the toilet. Yeah. Uh, but I, I did think that that was a, uh, that was a, an interesting scene. And yeah, like I think I said earlier, like the altered like dream states and uh, like dream logic and stuff like that. Some of it's a little showy and a little goofy. So I don't think this is a, it's not a slam dunk, but I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to for uh, a lot of these, these little nuggets, mm. a, a little, <laughs> little chicken nuggets dispersed <laughs> through this thing. It, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really fun premise to play with and i, I think yeah. a great first film for a filmmaker to be kind of figuring his way through and what will eventually become his voice and you can as the film progresses he seems to become more assured of what he's doing and how he's presenting it and you can it's nice to watch that unfold as it goes along you can yeah. see like those beginning scenes he's like camera where's going oh yeah um it, yeah it's very clever towards the end yeah. how that yeah restrained in a way and then he's able to like you say find his voice yeah it's definitely a little dizzying at the start you're like because that's like that i was honestly for 20 minutes i was like i don't know what the i don't have any fucking idea what's going on in this thing so far it was like all over the place and then and i was like okay i got it and then i was actually i the more i saw i was like okay i actually like that they're doing this now and the backtracking and then the leading up and the backtracking and leading up like i I feel like chris nolan himself is would probably like this thing a lot like i i mean i people make fun of that too it's like oh you like chris nolan that's Ooh. And he's like, he, I, I think he's an interesting guy. Like, I, I don't think you can argue that, but um, yeah, I think there's a, there's some, there's some very, there's some cool stuff in this, in this little movie. So I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, and then like in the first 10 minutes, I almost messaged Jared and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, this is, I was like, is this the movie that you wanted to do this thing on? Like with other people? I was like, you pick this thing. And then eventually, and then it, it turned on me and I was like, I like this. And you know what I think it was? I said earlier that scene with that kid just like crying that he was scared. I don't know what it was. It really got to me. I was like, man, I'm sad. That's great. Not, not, not that, like that. Not that you were sad, but the, yeah. But I got something out of it, right? Yeah. And you know what? If if anyone doesn't like this movie, I'm not going to leave comments on YouTube and yell at them for not liking it because I never like stuff that other people like, and uh, people get mad at me. But yeah, uh, I liked it. It was good, yeah. surprisingly. For me, yeah. yeah. What a what a surprise, RJ. I know. Did you see that coming, Jared? No, I didn't. It's curious because, like, the stuff you're describing, like, I mm-hmm. did. I don't. I didn't get that out of this movie. Like, I didn't really feel like this movie was really about memory because I feel like That's a lot okay. of people are. It's about deception, I guess, and like how people yeah. represent themselves. 
rather than how they remember things. Cause yeah. Cause like they're trying to like, they're, they're, they're telling somebody else a story to like mm-hmm. exonerate themselves. I don't think they actually necessarily believe the story they're being told. It's just kind of like the, how they present, I guess, rather than about memory. Yeah. I think that's part of it though, Jared. Sometimes the people we deceive the most are ourselves. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Wink. Wink and bite. Why, see, this, if, if this movie had a tagline, it would be that. I know. <laughs> I know. And that's okay. People are allowed to have different reads on stuff. It's okay. It's well, uh, so on the, the Creeps podcast, we like to do a little segment called Who Hates This Movie? Um, where we look on Letterboxd and find the lowest ratings that uh, have re- actual reviews to go along with it. Um, cause it's always curious to see like how people have taken it. And this comes way, this happened way back. I think when we did seven samurai, cause I was like, what do mm-hmm. people who hate seven samurai have to say about it? And, uh, I think the original review that we read back then, we has been, since been deleted, but it, it, it kind of kicked this off. Cause you never mm-hmm. know. Sometimes there's some unexpected joys. So RJ, if you're mm-hmm. ready, first yeah, up, ready. We, we've got JD who writes, I didn't get it, and it's so boring, I fell asleep during the final minutes. Rewatching the final minutes, I still didn't get it. All the <laughs> testimonies together put the suspect in that place, something like that, but it has a lot of unnecessary filler shots looking at things for no reason. It's under 100 minutes, but it's too long. Sorry, cinephiles, but I'm sure I'll like it better if I ever rewatch it. Two stars for now. Wow, scathing, but he managed to muster two stars. Okay. Yeah, at two stars. Uh, so I, when Jared does this, I always like to go to their uh, page and uh, kind of pick through some of their other gems. Uh, this person, uh, it's funny that they they talk about like confusing, but they're, one of their favorite films is Cloud Atlas. And it's <laughs> like, I, I've never actually seen that movie, but all I've heard people is just like, I don't think it's like outright confusing, but it's a weird pick that they would have that in there. You know, uh, they're actually crazy movie. Yeah. All, all their liked films. It's just criterion stuff, but here's some weird gems for you guys. Half stars to uh, the wild bunch, a half a star to training day, which is a film. I like half a star to gone in 60 seconds. Uh, the original, the original, or the remake? No, the Nick Cage, the Nick Cage one. Okay. Uh, but what about half a star to Battleship Potemkin? That, okay, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Seems weird that you would even bother rating that a half a star, right? It's like maybe carriage looked fake. Don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they gave one star to Brazil. They gave one star to Stalker. One star to Fanny and Alexander. Okay, this person mm. can fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that's why you got to dig a little deeper. You got to see too. You're just like, what else is this person operating on? Strange. Um, (laughs) One more for you, RJ. Derek Smith, two stars. It's a repeat offender, I think. It's it's one of those names. There's a lot of yeah. Derek Smiths out there. Bertolucci's okay. visual talent is already on display in this, his feature debut. But the almost complete disregard for the murdered young woman at the film's core in favor of the petty personal grievances of the various potential witnesses left a bad taste in my mouth. It's a bit too formulaic even for a first outing, and Pasolini's script pales in comparison to his own films from around the same time, specifically Acetona and Mama Roma. Well, I mean, anyone who gave Workmeister Harmonies five stars, I don't know. And Showa, 
five star. I mean, show it sounds good. It's just like nine hours. I don't know, you guys. Just uh, lots of criterion stuff for five star films. But uh, why don't we head over to those half stars? Let's see what's going on over there. Half star to pay it forward, starring Kevin Spacey. Interesting. Uh, half star to Patch Adams. I thought that was a fine movie. I don't know what the problem is. So far, well, I'm on board with this guy. <laughs> yeah, but what about half a star to What Women Want, starring Mel Gibson, Australian <laughs> heartthrob, still hero. Goddamn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, there's not really anything else of worth here, but uh, yeah. so That's you a take that as it is. Like being like you didn't spend enough time with the uh, victim. It's, it's, it just makes me think of the Tarantino at Khan. Like I reject your hypothesis. <laughs> oh, yeah. The film isn't about Sharon Tate. Like what? Yeah. It's strange. <laughs> well, any final thoughts? Yes. Um, not about the film, but I like the way you guys have all these extra little things that you do and we're going to steal them. Good <laughs> luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's borrow. We're Canadians now. Yeah, borrow. Share. Yeah. Share. Yeah, you're going to yeah. derive. You're going to derive. Yeah. Yeah. That's secretly what this was all about. It was us seeing how you guys do it and just. Yeah. <laughs> just In the uh, professional world, it's called collaboration. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I get that dropped very frequently in uh, my line of work. Collaboration. Uh-huh. But yeah, Noah, good luck because as soon as you start to um, do anything in the creeps formula, just get ready for just a wave of shit to come at you. Just the hate mail. People like just making you feel bad and then you're but then you'll get the uh, you'll get the attitude you're like i don't care anymore yeah. i don't give a shit about anything and then i was i was initially worried i thought you were gonna get a you were gonna say a wave of letters from our lawyers <laughs> oh no we can't afford lawyers <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we're a free podcast our only fans isn't activated yet we're not making any revenue yet yet <laughs> yet yet mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this was a this was a blast. I, I had a great time hanging out and chatting Bertolucci with you guys. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, we're all such Bertolucci fans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who isn't? Who isn't? I'm more of a Roberto Benini guy myself. But uh, yeah, it's uh, thank you guys for uh, uh, joining us. And uh, yeah, I think it's as you guys said, the creams uh, the creams have been crossed. I was trying to say stream, but cream yes. is way grosser. Ew. So the creams have been straw uh, cross, and uh, uh, hopefully, someone gets something out of this one day. Yeah, down the road. One day. Not us, surely, but someone else. Yep. After the break. The cops are coming. They're going to drag us off that dance floor, but we had it coming. RJ, are you planning on traveling to Italy anytime soon? It seems like a fun place. Jarrett, there's global travel bans. What what fucking news have you been watching? Make sure you self-quarantine, okay? But if I could go, if I could go, I wouldn't because I'd feel unsafe because of the raving gangs of insatiable men who are apparently on every corner in Italy. Again, I don't hate Italy or Italians. Just seems that way. Just hate sex pests. And <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't like sexually aggressive people. That's that's my that's my hard stance, controversial as it may be. Yeah. 
You can email us at criterionfuse at gmail.com and tell us how you feel about Italy. Where can they email you, Chris and Lee? Yeah, uh, they can follow us on Twitter at CriterionQuest, which I've just kind of taken over as my Twitter account, or you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, hopefully, if you enjoyed us, uh, you can listen and subscribe and at all the usual podcast places. All those usual, yes, exactly. That's the Stitcher, the iTunes, the Google Plays. We're not on Spotify. The Podbeans, the whatevers. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not allowed on. You guys Spotify. have a Tumblr? <laughs> yeah, we, we got kicked off of Spotify. Really? They, they, yeah. they don't like how we play by our own rules of copyright infringement. Oh, We've got yeah. a Facebook page though, and we're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Chris and Lee. Uh, I'm Chris Swan. I'm Lee Beatty. We're from the Criterion Quest, I guess. (laughs) Excellent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next week, RJ, it'll just be you and I again. Um, And we're going to be doing Spines 273 and 274 because we're stupid. We love doing these double headers. Uh, Uh, Jules Dassin's Thieves Highway 1949 and Night in the City from 1950. And I guess like the week after No more double headers. Yep, Chris and Lee will be doing it too. You're in for a treat with these ones. They're the, especially Night in the City. It, it's great. Yeah, we've we've just done. I, I, oh, good. Okay. Oh, you no, guys just. Did. Yeah. I, I trust you. I just I I get so bogged down by double headers. All that like it's been nothing but double headers for like a month, and it's like no yeah. more. Well, every movie's stop been three it. hours long. Every single week, it's just yeah. like oh, when when will it stop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the life we've chosen for ourselves, though. So we've got to just, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, as yeah. I said, it's the curse. Can't stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't stop, won't stop. Well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. It worked, I thought, yeah, it went great. It was nice meeting you both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, nice uh, meeting you guys and lovely yeah. chatting and hanging out. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and good luck with your quest of criteriandom. Good luck with your creeping. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We, we creep it real as much as we can. <laughs> and you guys quest it real as much as you yeah. can oh definitely yeah <laughs> yeah and rj i still hate Why? you yeah i know okay get fucked <laughs> <laughs> good night yes good night jared and our friends all right so that was our uh, crossover episode with the criterion creeps yeah yes what lovely lovely canadian fellows Yes, they were, actually. Hopefully we can do that again. Yeah, I had a lot of fun hanging out with them. Yeah, they're mm. very similar to us in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, normally, in this point in the show would be where I'm like, hey, here's the trivia about Le Comer Seca. Uh, there's none. No, what it, no, there is trivia. It's in the Criterion Collection. Oh, that's right. It's, <laughs> the, the trivia is, this film is in the Criterion Collection, spy number 272. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But uh, I'll wrap it up, as we usually do, by going through the actual Criterion edition itself. Uh, it's available uh, as a one-disc DVD. It's also available on the Criterion channel. Uh, it comes with the special features of an exclusive new video interview with director Bertolucci, which RJ talked about in the episode, as well as the usual booklet and essays that Criterion usually do. Um, Whoop-de-doo. Pretty much. <laughs> Nothing special with this one. Um, as usual, thank you very much for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, all that jazz. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a fortnight's time for this week's episode. I'm Chris. I'm Lee. And they were Jared and RJ. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye.